boxer Showtime Sean Porter. Hey, this is Booby Gibson. I'm Josh Cruz. Hi, this is Joe Tate, voice of the Cleveland Cavaliers. And you're listening to Sports Power Talk. You listen to Sports Power Talk. And keep listening or it'll be wham with the right hand. Ladies and gentlemen, live from the University of Akron, WZIP Sports presents the best sports talk show this side of Lake Erie. No question, with all due respect. This is Sports Power Talk. With the latest in sports news. Your Akron Zips are the 2022 MAC champions. The Zips have defeated the Kent State Electric Chicken. In-depth analysis. Astrology for women is equal to what Joe Rogan is for men. <laughs> have you ever tried DMT? <laughs> and of course, the hottest takes. He's just bad. Let me tear your labrum and you can go on the... You know what? (laughs) (laughs) It's only game. Why you have to be mad? Just the same old Browns! You know, bro. Hard on pitch. I think that was textbook top cheese. Cleveland! This is for you! From the best that Ohio sports has to offer to the best of the Akron Zips. Now it's time for SPT. What is going on, Zips fans? Welcome back to the best sports talk show on this side of Lake Erie. You already know what it is, Sports Power Talk, right here on WZIP. I am your host for the day, Logan Congrove. Joining me are my two analysts, Devin Lucas. Welcome back to the show. Hey, what's up? It's a good day to be a Cleveland sports fan. Browns are 2-1. and one. Guardians back number is 1. And we also have Pat Weber on, as usual. Pat, what's going on? Go Zips, as always. You know, I'm feeling pretty good about this Zips team, despite the losses in the past few weeks. And we will definitely talk a lot about the Zips here in our first segment. we got a great show coming up for you today. Talk a little bit of Zips, talk some other college football, some winners or losers. Then we'll get into a little bit of Guardians, as Devin mentioned, with the MLB. Moving into Hot Mike in our third segment, along with NBA news like Ime Udoku, suspension. And we'll finish off, as usual, with our NFL segment and picking all of this week's games. Guys, how are we doing today? I'm good. How Feeling are you? pretty good. Absolutely. So let's talk let's talk about the Zips to start off, of course. Pat, you're the biggest Zips fan I know, so I'll kick it to you first. Yesterday, the Akron Zips traveled to Liberty University to play the Flames. It actually turned out to be a decent showing for the Zips. Final score was 21 to 12, a loss of course, but it honestly didn't feel like that big of a loss to me. Pat, what are your thoughts on the Liberty game? Um, first of all, it should have been 21 to 14. I still think DJ got that two points, but they didn't give us, they didn't give us that two point conversion. But nonetheless, we played very well as a team watching that last night. Our defense definitely improved significantly from the previous weeks. We're like, yes, obviously the previous weeks we did play Michigan State and Tennessee, but still we looked very, very, uh, good last night. You know, kind of like you said, it didn't really feel like that loss hurt as much as it did because looking at, how Liberty plays, I kind of view this as we're ready to play in the MAC. The f- other games that we played, obviously, they were not our usual MAC opponents. Uh, Liberty is probably a little bit better than actually the best team in the MAC, um, which probably would be Kent State. I think that Liberty and Kent State, if they would play each other, they'd honestly probably go down to the wire. Um, but we played very well. Our defense looked solid, other than that last uh, drive. But um, honestly, what gave Liberty the momentum, that final drive that they had where they scored, uh, was Day-Day when he got that 30-yard rush, uh, Day-Day Hunter, for the Flames. 
But other than that, we did a really good job. We kept Liberty's defense on the field. We got them tired. We, you know, worked them down. And I, I thought it was a very good day, uh, game for uh, DJ Irons as well. He went 29 for 52, 269 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. The interception does hurt a little bit, especially when it was in the end zone. Um, you know, it's always a what if, you know, that wasn't an interception, and we do manage to score on that drive. But nonetheless, it was a very solid showing, especially uh, on the receiving end for uh, Daniel George. I had 11 receptions for 93 yards. We just played such a good game. We just, you know, the momentum swung one way after a huge run by Dede Hunter, and ultimately I think that's what cost us the game. For sure. Devin, did you watch the game? Any thoughts? Yeah, I thought, um, well, I thought for sure going into this game, I didn't think there was any chance this game was even going to be, like, a nine-point game. I thought that Akron was going to lose this game by... 20 points or more, especially for the first, like, the last two weeks we've seen. Especially because Liberty took um, Wake Forest to a... They they only lost by one point last week, and Wake Forest this past week um, went to overtime against Clemson. So I didn't think there was any chance that Akron was going to um, be able to beat Liberty. But yeah, I like what we've seen out of DJ Iron so far this season. He's thrown for, I think, around 250 yards every game except for the Michigan State game. So I think he's had a big improvement since last year definitely i think akron's offense looked looked pretty decent as well obviously dj irons at the helm there um i do think though our defense is the reason we were in that game pat you touched on it a little bit um akron obviously is a rebuilding program we've known this for a while joe moorhead i think is the right guy and i think some of the national media is still writing akron off and i just don't think that's the right call right now i wouldn't hit the panic button especially because that wasn't even a bad showing by the zips I would definitely stay the track. I wouldn't make too many changes because getting into Mac play, I do see the Akron Zips having a little bit more of a fair chance in most of our upcoming games. Our next game is Bowling Green. It's homecoming, obviously. Pat, what are your thoughts on the upcoming game against Bowling Green and how the Zips will look moving forward? I feel very confident moving into this game against Bowling Green. Um, as we know, we own Bowling Green in every single sport, <laughs> including football, because I want to say... Um, the past three years, they've been almost every single win that we've had has been against Bowling Green. For some reason, we just find a way to beat them. You know, I'll take it. Um, I feel pretty good going into this game. I'm looking at the side-by-side comparisons, you know, between all the stats. Uh, we, we are better than them in every single category. Um, granted, their quarterback has thrown for 10 touchdowns, despite only throwing for uh, 690 yards, where DJ has thrown for 919 and only three touchdowns in there um again nothing to get too worried about though when you look at the teams that we've played compared to who bowling green has played um you know i think we've definitely had the harder schedule by far um this year i feel good and if our defense can you know play like how they played last night where we managed to actually give liberty a run for their money um where liberty they were 26 point favorites over us and we only lost by nine um, so, again, very impressive game. Nothing to hang your head about. But I feel good uh, moving into the game against Bowling Green. Um, I see no reason why, uh, after homecoming, we're not sitting at 2-3 and three, uh, with our first win in MAC play. I can see that as well. Devin, what do you think? Yeah, I think Akron is going to be able to beat uh, BG. Previously, I didn't really think that because BG did beat Marshall, and Marshall beat a, a Notre Dame team. But this year, it doesn't seem like Notre Dame's as... Um, good as they have been in years past. And also last year, BG beat number 10 Minnesota, and we were still able to go to BG and beat them by, I believe it was two touchdowns. So I, I think um, definitely their quarterback uh, back, as you were saying, Pat, um, throwing for 10 touchdowns could be a little worrying, but I think um, they're going to be able to get it done. 
my biggest concern is actually going to be Bowling Green's defense because they are very their their defense is very very good this year, um, and I think that just shows with you know the yards that they have. Like I mean, total offensive yards. You know, they're running back, leading the way for them. Uh, he only has 83 rushing yards on the year. Um, and their quarterback only has, like I said, that 690 yards. So that just shows you, like, their defense is really, really good. But I think that if we can wear their defense down like we did with Liberty, I see no reason why Bowling Green won't crumble. Because, obviously, Bo- uh, Liberty held in there for a little bit longer because Liberty is a very sound program. I don't think Bowling Green is as sound. They're still a very good uh, program, a very young program. But I think if we can do what we did where we... Uh, we, we had possession time of 33 minutes against Liberty. We kept them out on the field for as long as we possibly could, and I think that's what we need to do again if we want to beat Bowling Green. Definitely. Devin, what do you think? Yeah, I think uh, everything Pat said is pretty much accurate. I think um, I see a lot of similarities between beat, uh, Bowling Green and Akron. I feel like this, the teams just have been very similar, even going back to last year. I think it'll be a really good game, but, yeah, I do think that Akron will pull it out. The other thing we have to do is, as a, as, a, as a team, as a whole, we have to stop getting penalties called on us. Correct. It is ridiculous. I don't think I've ever seen a collegiate program get as many um, you know, taunting calls or unnecessary roughness that we have. It's just we have to be disciplined. I understand that you know, we make a big play. We want to get fired up. But you got to know when to like cool it down and like keep a level head. Because these refs are not going to be afraid to throw the flags on us. And they showed that last night. There were some calls last night, though, that I will say were extremely, extremely questionable. I, I will admit that. Um, especially that pass interference and unnecessary roughness that was called when we were on the goal line, where they called a penalty on somebody that wasn't even on the field for offensive pass interference. And also uh, unnecessary roughness on Shockey when Shockey got absolutely lit up trying to catch that. So I didn't understand that call whatsoever. But it, it's just a basic. We need to know when to. We need to know when to stop because it's ridiculous that, you know, we had eight penalties for 79 yards. Like, Liberty, yes, they also had eight penalties, but only for 59. It's like we we have to just cool it down, make the right plays, and just, like, keep a level head. Because I, I know a lot of these calls, is, it's because emotions get the better of our guys. They just got to keep a level head moving forward. And I think that if we can limit these penalties, then that's going to lead to a better product on the field. Because, you know, we'll have, you know, drives where... We'll gain 20 yards off of a pass to Shockey or Daniel George, but then all of a sudden there might be, you know, unnecessary roughness on something out of bounds, or there might be like an illegal block, and it's like just keep a level head, make the right plays, stay out of trouble. I guess is the best way to put it, and we will see wins if we if we do that. Definitely, sticking with the Akron and Liberty game for a little bit. Liberty's quarterback situation. Did you guys catch that? Any of the statistics Four with their quarterback? different quarterbacks. Very interesting. I I can respect it, and I, I will respect it, because in a way, we, last year at the Zips, we were in a similar situation where, I want to say by week three, we had already cycled through three different quarterbacks um, just to test out to see who was doing what, because we had Cato Nelson, DJ Irons, and Zach Gibson all taking to the field last year. So it's like it's something that we did, um, obviously though. But all of their quarterbacks, they they're out there and they know what they're doing and they get it done. They put in their red shirt freshman last night to just run the ball, and you know he did what he needed to do. He honestly gave our defense trouble, and that's what led to that final score that Liberty had to put the game out of reach was because of uh, their quarterback. But I think it's a very good, um, I think it's a very good rotation what they do because it keeps the defense on their toes. Not to mention that because they put in just a pure scrambling quarterback against us. 
I think that's going to build us and like keep us ready for when quarterback switches will come in the future when we play with these other teams. Devin, what do you think about Liberty's quarterback situation? Yeah, I would have to agree. Um, I think it did keep us on our on our toes, and it should help us out in the future. And yeah, I just would agree for sure. Upcoming for the Zips, like we touched on Bowling Green, is our next game. But what I want to do is go down the schedule for Akron for the remainder of the season and have my analysts pick what they think the results of those games are going to be. So let's start off. We already talked about Bowling Green, but we can pick the winner-loser for that. Guys, what are you thinking for the Bowling Green-Akron homecoming game? I got to I gotta give it to the Zips. Obviously, they're going to be coming back home. Phil, Infocision, we need to have the support for our team because, let's be honest, they just came off of a rough three-game away stretch. They're coming back here. Bowling Green's coming to our house. This is a team that we know we can beat, that we have beaten in the past. i got to give it to Akron. We're going to give them the momentum they need there in the student section, there in the crowd. So, got to take Zips over Bowling Green. Gotcha. Devin? Yeah, I think it's going to be a really close game, but I, I think Akron will pull it out. I, as well, will take Akron over Bowling Green. No reason to think that they can't win that game. Moving on, next, the following Saturday, October 8th, Akron will travel to OU and play the Bobcats. Guys, what are you thinking for that game? Uh, I, I, I'm going to give it to the Zips again here. Um, OU, they are 2-2, two and two, so they are better than us. Um you know, standings-wise, but they did only beat Fordham uh, 59-52, to and even though Fordham was undefeated moving into that game, there's still no reason that that game should have been close for the Bobcats whatsoever. Now, what did help them was that uh, Curtis Rourke set the uh, OU single-game passing record with 537 wow. yards uh, with um, four touchdowns as well. So definitely something to be wary of. Um, they are going to come out, and they're going to come out firing. However, um, I'm going to give it to Akron as of now, but I want to see how OU fares against Kent State because that is who they play next week. I want to see how they play against Kent, and then uh, my decision may change depending on how that game goes. But for now, I'm going to give it to Akron. Okay, Devin? Yeah, I can't give it to Akron. I think OU, be it that they're 2-2, two and two, their, their stats are about, they're about like 150-ish yards more in terms of offense to the Zips. And we, we do have the better of them in rushing yards, but in terms of passing, especially after uh, last night's performance, we are behind. Um, but, I mean, looking at the stats, it's almost like a mirror image for um, what's going on here, like between passing yards, touchdowns, carries, and re- uh, receiving yards. It's a, it's a dead mirror here, so I think it could go either way right now. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, so, and the other hard part is that OU has allowed more yards, so... Maybe that helps the Zips case. But I think it's really going to come down to how you um, plays against Kent State. I would also agree with both of you on that. It comes down to OU's performance against Kent State. But as of right now, I will give this one to the Zips as well. I think coming off a win over Bowling Green, it will be refreshing for them and put them on a new track. And they'll want to go over to OU and bring their first away win home. But I am going to give that one to Akron as well. Moving on, the next week, October 15th, we have Central Michigan traveling to the University of Akron. Guys, what are we thinking on that one? I think this game's going to be a very heavy toss-up because Central Michigan is a very, very good program, as we know. Um, however, they have been struggling this year um, more than I would have thought personally, um, where they only uh, took that win against uh, Bucknell 41 nothing on uh, September 17th. 
Um, they did play pretty well in the first half of the game against Penn State uh, yesterday. Um, but obviously, the second half, Central Michigan was nowhere to be found whatsoever, and Penn State kind of just walked all over them that second half. Um, I'm going to give it to the Zips again here. I think that moving, coming into that game, going three and three, I think we're going to be we're going to have our uh, heads held high. We're going to know what we want to do. We're going to come and we're going to handle that game very well. It is a home game, so I see no reason why we can't upset Central Michigan and move into uh, four and three past that game. Devin? Yeah, Akron may be at home for this game, but I don't. I also don't see them winning this one either. Central Michigan, like we said, like you just were um, saying, Pat, they they played very well against Penn State in the first half. I believe they were only down by seven. They were. I believe it was uh, fourteen to seven. Yeah, it might have been, or twenty-one to fourteen, something like that. But yeah, um, I don't. I don't see them winning that game. Also, Central Michigan did play okay against Oklahoma State at the beginning of the season, but the final score was kind of dressed up with the final stats. I think it was I think they scored like the last two touchdowns in garbage time, but I don't know. I just think Central Michigan is going to beat the Zips. I don't I don't see them pulling it out even though it is a home game. I'm I'm basing my decision solely off of the fact that they did lose to South Alabama, and South Alabama is not that great. I think I mean, do I think we would beat South Alabama? You know, maybe. I th- I think we do a better job than what Central Michigan did. That's why I'm just going to say that I th- I think we can pull it out. But I think that's going to rely on if we can come off of a two-game win streak and going into that game. For sure. Then moving forward, the worst team in the entire country. Nobody likes them, but we got to play them, and we got to play them at their place this season. The Kent State Electric Chickens, who just came off of a pretty impressive game against Georgia. They did not get the win, but they did hold Georgia to only 39 points and scored 22 on the Georgia Bulldogs. For me, that's quite impressive and quite worries me for their matchup against the Akron Zips. What are you guys thinking, predictions-wise, for the Kent versus Akron game? Yeah, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm pretty scared going into this game because let's just hope it was Georgia having a bad day. Because if it wasn't Georgia having a bad day, then I think Kent State is going to absolutely walk all over us. This We're talking about Georgia, the number one team in the nation, the team that has arguably the greatest college defense that we have ever seen. And Kent State scored 22 points on them and held their offense, one of the best offenses in the nation as well, to under 40 points. I am extremely concerned if uh, this is Kent State playing at their true full potential and that was Georgia playing like at their best as well. Like I'm very concerned. So I'm I'm going to be honest. It hurts me to say this because I really... You, you know how much I hate Kent State. I hate them more than anything, but I'm going to give this to Kent State. If, if they did that with Georgia, even though they lost, I see no reason why Kent State wouldn't even win the MAC this year at this point. I can see it as well. Devin, what do you think? Yeah, I don't think there's any chance Akron wins this one either. As you were saying, Pat, they, um, they played... Well enough against Georgia, like they they definitely hung in there. Um, yeah, I think Kent State. I think it's going to be very similar to how it was last year. I'm thinking like 38 to nothing, maybe even more. I don't think challenge. we'll get shut out. I think we'll still score. I don't know. I'm I, only saying that because our receivers are far better than last year. So, um, with the impact that Shockey has had on this team, I think that we'll be able to at least score against them. Um, you know, maybe we can plot a win. Highly doubt it. But I guess we'll just have to wait and see. Hopefully we can get the wagon wheel back. But, I mean, 
right now it's not looking so hot. I don't know if I necessarily agree that we're going to score in that game. I mean, I know we played two like powerhouse schools, Michigan State and Tennessee, and we got six total points in those games. And yes, Kent State's not a powerhouse. They did hang in with Georgia. I think it's definitely possible Kent State comes out and we don't even score a single point on them. I mean, that just would have to remain to be seen, I think. I think we score. I think we at least score. But I don't know how many times we will score. It, 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 like three. That game might be a rough game depending on, you know, how we handle business going in there. If we go in there and we expect to win, we will lose, and we will lose bad. I also think it's a matter of how Akron has done in the past three games before the Kent State game leading up to it. I think that their mindset will come from their record. They come into this game and they've lost the past three games, which like we, I don't think that they will, but say they were to lose the past three games, I don't think that they will be in the right headspace to play a team like Kent State and Not at all. play well against a team like Kent State. But if, if we come in on a three-game win streak, or even even if we only drop one game and say that game is Central Michigan, I, I still think moving into that game, you know, maybe we'll have the momentum on our side to at least give them a run for their money. I say if we can at least be within seven of Kent State at the end of the game, and this is a very big maybe, I think that I would consider that a win in my book. I would agree. Moving forward, we have Miami, Ohio traveling to Akron. The Red Hawks, they're, they're decent. They've always been kind of a decent team, but you never know with the Akron Zips, so I'll push it over to you guys. Who do you see winning that game? Honestly, I'm going to give this to Miami here. Miami did take down Northwestern last night. Wow. So I will be giving it to Miami. Um, they're a very defensively sound program. Um, their offense is, I don't want to say non-existent, but it is almost next to none. Um, looking at these stats here compared side-by-side side with us. I mean, their quarterback out here, um, they, he's gone 32 for 66 for only 346 yards, six touchdowns and two interceptions. I'm gonna give it to the. I'm gonna give it to Miami though. I mean, they did just handle a Big Ten opponent, uh, one seventeen to fourteen last night. So I, I do think we drop this game to Miami. Devin, yeah, I think we drop this game to Miami. You were saying seventeen to fourteen Northwestern. That is a Big Ten school, but also last year, um, they they played BG and they beat a Big Ten school and we were able to win. But I don't know. I just I don't see the Zeps taking this one. Um, so, yeah, I think Miami's going to win this one on Akron. I do as well. I see Miami upsetting, or not even upsetting, beating the Akron Zips at home. Unfortunately, we have three more games to get through, and then we're going to do our winners and losers. So quickly, guys, let's pick the next three. Eastern Michigan traveling to Akron. What are your guys' th- picks for that one? It hurts me to say it, but in our last home game of the season, I do have us dropping this game to Eastern Michigan. Wow. Devin? Um, I think it's possible that they can win this one but I think I, th- I think they they can do it Akron last year and I know if I'm going based on last year last year they played well on Tuesday nights but again this last year they they almost upset Ball State and then they played I can't remember who they played was it Central Michigan last year on Tuesday night um, I believe so yes and they it were was also, they also played very well in that game too I don't think Irons played in either of those games. I think it's very possible that they could have a shocking upset at at home and upset and beat the Eastern Michigan. I just want to say, I take back what I said. I didn't realize Eastern Michigan lost to Buffalo last night, so I'm going to take Akron in this because (laughs) there's no way a team that lost to Buffalo 
is gonna is gonna beat us because Buffalo lost to Holy Cross. And here's the thing: like I know a lot of guys on the Buffalo football team, and I love them. There's some great guys, but th- how do you lose to Holy Cross like in your in your week one game? I just don't understand it. Yeah, that's tough. Uh, I would also take the Akron Zips over Eastern Michigan in that one. And then once again, quickly through these last two so we can get through our winners and losers of college football. Akron and Buffalo. Pat, I'm pretty sure I know your pick after I'm taking that. I'm taking the Zips because, again, you lost the Holy Cross. I just physically don't understand how that's possible. So I'm taking the Zips in this one. Devin? Yeah, I'm taking Akron. I think they can uh, beat Buffalo. Losing a Holy Cross is not <laughs> not good. I would also take Akron in that game. And then last game of the season will be traveling to Northern Illinois. Tough team there. I'm going to take the Zips in that. I mean, excuse me. I'm going to take Northern Illinois in that one, unfortunately. I was going to say. But I'd, I'll pass it over to you guys. What do you I'd, think? I'm going to take uh, NIU in this one as well because uh, I have NIU actually coming out of their side of the MAC to uh, win the title in football. Yeah, I'm taking uh, Northern Illinois on this one. Based on what we've seen so far from Northern Illinois, they se- they seem pretty competitive this year, and they even gave they even played well against Kentucky, number eight Kentucky. Kentucky only won by eight points against Northern Illinois. Um, and yeah, I think they're they're just really competitive. I think they're just a better team than the Zips this year, unfortunately. So I think Northern Illinois will pull that one out. I think so as well. That rounds out the Akron Zips schedule. Make sure to watch the Zips play Bowling Green at home at InfoCision Stadium this coming Saturday. You won't want to miss it. But before we go to our next break, we got about three minutes to make our college football winners and losers of the week. This is the segment where each analyst picks a winner and loser from any college football team or game throughout the entire spread. I'll start it with you, Pat. Who is your winner and your loser of this so, week? So my uh, winner this week, i got to give it to the Kansas Jayhawks. They are 4-0. Kansas football is 4-0. I just want to point that out. They're playing very, very well. So shout out, Kansas. Hopefully that will be us in the future. I mean, I can only hope. Um, and then for my loser, I've got two uh, losers here. Obviously, the uh, the first one that I am going to say is Georgia because there is zero chance that you let Kent State come in there and put up a fight against you, especially if you're the number one team in the nation, that is just absolutely that's just embarrassing. The Bulldogs should be embarrassed about that. And then my other loser, I got to give it to Texas because horns down, but you lost. No way you lost that game. No way. There's absolutely no way. that. <laughs> there's no way. I was shocked when I saw that happen. But, yeah, horns down for Texas. You're my other loser. Jeez, I don't even know. I don't even know how to describe the feelings I saw when I saw that game. <laughs> All right, we've heard from Pat. Now, Devin, who is your winner and loser from this week? I actually have a couple winners here. Okay. So um, my first one is the Ohio State Buckeyes taking care of business against Wisconsin at home, 52-21. Uh, that game was never close. I think it was 31-7 to at the half. But it's good to take care of that. And this is an interesting one. My second winner, I have Akron, though they lost. They played very well against Liberty. And um, I think the two games they had against Michigan State and Tennessee helped them, like, I think it was a learning experience for the Zips. I think it helped them play better, maybe. And, um, yeah, now for my losers, I have Georgia as my loser. Um, They only beat Kent by 17, and it was, I mean, Kent was scoring on them. Um, And as a number one team, I don't think you should only be beating Kent State by 17 points. I think they should have beat Kent State by a lot more than that, like maybe like 30. 
I would agree. That's tough for that's tough for the Bulldogs. My winner and loser, I actually have Kent State as my winner, unfortunately. I will never admit that I wanted to have them as a winner, but I really... I yes, yeah. I do have to give it to them. That's pretty impressive, like I said, against the number one defense in the country. My loser is Wisconsin. Like Devin alluded to, they didn't even look present in this game, and normally their games versus Ohio State are much more competitive, and they looked like they didn't even get they on the like bus. They looked like us out there. They, didn't they, they looked like us when we played Ohio State last year. <laughs> they hey, didn't even look quick. like they got on the bus. Can we play Wisconsin? Because maybe we'd win. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, Pat. Put us out there. Come on. I now. believe you, Pat. 65-3, to three, Wisconsin would beat 65 us. 65-3, to three, Definitely. we would win. <laughs> I don't know about that. <laughs> All right, folks. That is going to take us into our first break. Stay tuned right here on Sports Power Talk for our next segment. You won't want to miss it. 88.1 WZIP. Welcome back to Sports Power Talk right here on 88.1 WZIP. Once again, I am your host, Logan Congrove. Joining me today is... Devin. And And Patrick Weber. Welcome back, guys. Another great segment we have coming up for you. Let's talk a little bit of baseball. And specifically, your Cleveland Guardians, who have been on fire as of recently. The magic number is one now, boys. All we need is a win today. All we need is a win today. All we need is a win today. Or Detroit... Needs to beat Chicago. Whichever one. Either works for me. No matter what, that magic number is going to go down to zero. Hopefully today. I never thought I'd see the day that playoff baseball is going to be back in Cleveland. I never thought I'd see the day again. It's pretty fantastic. I I feel so good about it. I'm so happy. It feels fantastic to think about that. I didn't think there was any chance coming into this season that we'd be in this position. I thought we were were a little too young of a team to be here. I thought we'd finish like... Third, I thought we finished middle of the pack, kind of like last year. I, I thought yeah. maybe second at absolute best, but we are on fire. We are nine games. I was thinking in first right now. I was thinking a five hundred ball club. That's what I was thinking for the Guardians. We are lighting it up right now. I this I feel fantastic. This feels so yeah, good. It, it definitely has been fantastic for the Guardians. But before we get into some recaps and some previews for the Cleveland Guardians, I want to start out with our Player of the Week segment. Boys, this is the segment each week created by our host, Jake Murren, where all of us pick one MLB player who has surprised us, done something cool in any way. It doesn't even have to be baseball-related. Just who is your MLB player of the week? Pat, I will start with you. Who's your pick? I have to give it to our very own Cleveland Guardians, Andres Jimenez. Dude has been on fire. He has definitely been the hot bat these past few weeks for the Guardians and Last night, delivered two for four with a homer. Can't go wrong with that. Got to give it to Andres. He is the sole, he's one of the sole reasons why we are absolutely lighting it up right now in the AL Central. Great pick there, Pat. And honestly, Pat, I don't think I've ever been on with you and have you not pick a Cleveland Guardians player. I don't think there's been a single time. It happened once, and it was was, uh, Aaron Judge. Because I think he had 50 home runs, and I was like, I, I can't not. Give it to Aaron Judge because he ain't valid. Now he has 61, I'm pretty sure. He is at 61, yes. I think we know who's going to win the uh, AL MVP. I don't want to admit it, but I think we all know who's going to win the AL MVP. Unfortunately. Devin, who's your pick for Player of the Week? I got Oscar Gonzalez. I feel like he's doing a really good job for the Guardians of the Guardians' play style, which is just getting on base. If you can get on base, it helps out a lot for the Guardians. And he homered twice last night. Yeah, he did. And to think, I was just watching him play on the Rubber Ducks during his rehab. <laughs> Which was really cool because 
we, I, when he was playing, I just want to point out, like, when he was playing, it was so cool to, like, watch all the people come in. Because, like, it's not very often that Canal Park will have a sellout crowd. And we almost had a sellout crowd when wow. Oscar was back. It was really awesome. And he hit a homer. And it almost hit me when I was in Tiki Terrace. <laughs> I, was, I was working over there, and the ball came zooming. So that was pretty cool. But, yeah, I, I, like, I like the pick. That is a good pick as well. I'm going to pick Albert Pujols of the St. Louis Cardinals. 700 home runs on the 23rd. It's pretty impressive. Only the fourth player in Major League history to hit 700 home runs. I have to tip my hat to him on that one. Shout out to Albert Pujols. Especially with his career coming to a close. It's a pretty good way to end it. Albert Pujols is my player of the week. Guys, great picks there. But moving forward, like I said, let's talk a little bit about our Cleveland Guardians. Like we said, magic number is at one. So let's start off with recapping the Chicago White Sox series. And what do you guys think the impact it will have on the Guardians going forward? I think that that was an extreme confidence booster in that series. I mean, especially with that final game there where we did end up pulling uh, the win 8-2. to two. I mean... We have been on a tear. Sorry, four to two. Um, we've been on an absolute tear, and you know the White Sox are one of are usually one of the better teams in the AL Central. They're normally the favorites to come out of the AL Central, and we have been handling them like it is no problem at all to us. Um, I think that this series is what is going to be the deciding factor of how we even play in the, in the playoffs when it comes time for that. Um, because, like I said, this series was just a confidence booster because. We we lit it up. We gave them no hope of any uh, win. In fact, I believe the closest game that we did have with them uh, was that extra innings game um, that we did come out on top of uh, ten to seven. We just looked good, and it has been a long time since like we've been able to sit up here and say like a Cleveland baseball team has looked good, and we have looked good. And I feel I am I'm on cloud nine with this team right now. I, I'm going to be honest with you, <laughs> Devin. What do you think? Yeah, I think they looked really good. I thought the White Sox, with I think they have like one of the worst defenses in all of baseball. If not all of baseball, definitely the American League. Um, I think the key was winning that extra inning games in the series opener. Um, I think if they would have, like, let's say they, they rolled over. Because I think in the 10th inning, they, gave up, they hit two. They got two runs, and the White Sox had two runs. And then I think we exploded for five in the 11th or something like that. If we don't get that and we roll over in that... I don't know if we'd be having this conversation because I think that would have been a big momentum booster for Chicago. I think it would have. I think we would have either lost that series or got swept. But I think it all started with the Minnesota series before that. I think we had a lot of confidence after we, I think, won four out of five against Minnesota, and it carried us over to Chicago. And I think it definitely helped the Guardians. And it's still carrying over now nine through this series up. too. Yeah, definitely. The Guardians look great against the White Sox. What do you think the most impressive part of the Guardians' most recent run is so far? Definitely our offense. I mean, it's not... Up until this season, it wasn't normal that we saw a high-power offensive baseball uh, team from Cleveland. And I think that's definitely been the surprising factor is that we we haven't gone down. Like, in the past, like, you know, like we touched on in, in the extra innings game, we did get five runs in the 11th to ultimately propel us to that win. Um, typically, we would have just watched the Guardians roll over and give up because the bats would have gone cold. But our bats have been on fire, definitely our offense and our hitting, because we're not just power swinging anymore. Like in the past, it's like if we don't have these power guys, we're not going to do anything. Our contact hitting has been out of this world, not to mention our defensive play as well has been outstanding. 
I would agree. Devin, what do you think? Yeah, the defense has been really good. Um, I think Emmanuel Classe has been, I think he's one of the best closers in all the league right now. He's been doing a good job nailing down games, minus that Chicago um, one in the in extra innings. And I, I like that they've had, they've taken a traditional baseball approach. It's not all about hitting home runs with this team. Quite frankly, I don't know if they necessarily have the power to hit home runs every night. I know last night is an anomaly for that. But I, I like how this team looks a lot, and I think that was good in the Chicago series. Andres Jimenez is arguably like one of the best. I would argue say he's like one of the best second basemen in all of baseball. Because he like his play on the offense and on the defense as well, absolutely outstanding this year. Like I said, probably one of the best second basemen in all of baseball right now. I could see that as well. I agree with that take, too. Heading into the playoffs, though, guys, obviously the Guardians are going to make it. Their magic number is at one. What do you think some keys to success for a long playoff run for the Guardians are? And what do you think are some things that could hurt them if they were to run into these issues? We just got to keep doing what we're doing now. Keep the bats hot. Keep the pitchers rolling. But I think what could hurt us is if um, we see somewhat of a collapse in our pitching rotation like we did uh, halfway through the season this year. We're about halfway through the season. Our pitching rotation just kind of crumbled. I think if that happened, that would absolutely kill us because this might be the first year we haven't exactly had the greatest pitching whatsoever, which is very odd to say because normally we have phenomenal pitching. Um, but I think that as long as we can just, you know, maintain our starters like Kyle Quantrill, like Tristan McKenzie, I think we'll be good. Um, and then just making sure our bullpen can come in and actually close out games. Because that was an issue um, a few weeks ago, about a month ago. That was a big issue with us was getting our closers in and getting them to actually close out the game. Um, I think if we can just keep a level head in our bullpen and with our pitching rotation, there should be no reason why. Honestly, I would I would say we go to the World Series. There'd be no reason why we wouldn't go to the World Series as long as we can keep that pitching rotation going, keep the uh, and keep the bats going. Devin, it all comes down to who's playing hot at the end. So we'll see what happens. I'm a little nervous because if, if it was to end today, they play Seattle, and it seems like Seattle kind of has played very well against us as of um, well, just the, throughout the whole season. But yeah, if their pitching can stay in order, I kind of hope that. If Zach Plesac comes back, he's not in the rotation because I really like what we've seen out of Cody Morris this year. He's playing obsession. Ex- he's playing very well. <laughs> Can't say the word apparently, but yeah, he's playing very well. I think his ERA is like around two something. He's only going like five innings a start, but he's playing incredibly well. And I feel like every time we saw Plesac this year, he was getting like four or five runs a game. So I'm hoping when he comes off the injured list, they don't have him for the playoffs. He might have more experience, but I think Cody Morris would be the better pitcher for the Guardians. If when we make the playoffs, not if anymore. The magic number is one. We're going to make the playoffs. We're making the playoffs, and oh, it feels so good to say. I that. just hope. <laughs> it's not, I hope it's not Seattle in the best of three because Seattle would come here, and I the teams are very similar. I think in terms of how young they are, and just. But I think Seattle. I think they would give us a run for our money. I think we could do it, but from I what don't we know why we struggle this, so much with from Seattle, what we though. saw this year against the Guardians. I don't even know. if I think they might have got one out of them in Seattle, but they they played very well against the Guardians this year. I think right now the Seattle's only half a game out of the second wild card spot, so I'm hoping we see the Rays come to Cleveland. I think they're, think they're the second wild card team instead of um, Seattle because I don't I don't know if I want to play Seattle in the best of three, even though it's here. I don't know how I'd feel about that. I don't know why we struggle so much with Seattle. I mean, looking at the roster, like it's basically the Cincinnati Reds, like <laughs> 2.0, and we handle the Reds very well every year. I don't know why we struggle with Seattle so much because that's what they, like their team is 
Cincinnati 2.0. Like, almost all the players that we know from Cincinnati, like Jesse Winker, Luis Castillo, they're all on Seattle. And it's like, how do we struggle against these guys when they're in a different uniform? <laughs> like, we handle them when they played on the Reds, and now they're on Seattle and we can't win. Right. It, I, it blows my mind. What I think so funny is Seattle's a power-hitting team, and, like, we struggle against them, but yet we, we were able to handle... Two very power-heavy teams in Minnesota and Chicago, and we beat them like especially it was Minnesota because the Twins this year were actually projected to come out on top yeah. with and, their uh, off-season moves, and yet you know, like you said, they're big power teams, and we did fine against them. But for some reason, we when we play the Mariners, Seattle, I don't know why. <laughs> it's just tough for the Guardians, man. It really is. Seattle lives in our hands, rent-free. I guess I don't, yeah, I don't know. But if we were to run into them, I would hope that would change. Sticking with a little bit of playoff talk, though, key players for a long playoff run, who would you say is one pitcher and one field player that is key to the Guardians' success for a long playoff run? Pitching, I 100% will give this to Tristan McKenzie. He's actually surprised me uh, coming into this year because his first outing with the Guardians, he did not look great whatsoever. Um, but moving past that, he has developed and turned himself into a very solid pitcher. I think that you know if we can get him going, uh, moving into the postseason, that you know we will succeed very, very easily. And field player, obviously, I'm going to give it to Andres Jimenez because he give him the Gold Glove. He, he is absolutely locked down on defense. Like he hustles out there, he gets every ball that is even remotely close to him. Not to mention that he's one of our best bats as well. So I think that if we can keep Andres hot, then. There's no reason that we don't go to the World Series. Yeah, for pitching, I got. Um, I think I have. I'm going to go with Class A for here, and it's a. It's our closer. Okay. I think he. He has. He's had moments where he's blown some saves this year, but I think if we can win the close ones, I think that's how it's going to have to be in the playoffs for the Guardians. I think you're going to really need him to be 100 percent healthy and be on your team to be able to win these games. I'm, I'm seeing. I'm thinking the Guardians are going to be winning a lot of one-run games when it comes to the playoffs, so you're really going to need the back end of your bullpen to be strong. And then for offense, I'm going to go with Andreas Jimenez as well. His defense has been really good this year, and he does the same thing. He gets on base. He can even hit home runs. He's. I can even go as far as a little bit of a hot take here. I think he's better than Lindor when we had Lindor here. I, I that is an extremely I, I hot think, take, but I, I like it. I think he's better, or he has potential to be better, because he plays really well for the Guardians. I, I like it, because honestly, um, we do see some flashes where it's kind of like a, it is very much like Frankie, but at the same time, I think Andres, like you said, I think he could develop to be a better player for us. And the thing is, he likes playing in Cleveland. Yeah. All the guys that we have now, they, they like being in Cleveland, and we're actually starting to pay our players, yeah. which... Shocking. Wow, look what happens when we pay our <laughs> players, guys. You know, people want to stay. <laughs> yeah. But, I mean, yeah, I, I agree with that. I, I like the take. I really do like the take because I think, in the long run, I think Andres has honestly contributed more to this team this year than I think Francisco Lindor would have if Francisco Lindor was still on our team. Isn't he having, like, a subpar year for the Mets, too? Like, yeah, ever he, since he left, he hasn't been he hasn't having success uh, in... New York, like at all, but I think that might just be because he's kind of overshadowed by people like Pete Alonso, who I over see. there he's just for sure absolute monster. Yeah, I actually got clowned on Twitter by L Take Jake Murren for <laughs> choosing Francisco Lindor as somebody that I missed on the Guardian. So it's funny that you bring that up. That happened like two days ago. <laughs> I tweeted when Lindor hit a home run. I tweeted that I missed him, and Jake Murren, as we call him, L Take Jake. 
came at me on Twitter as usual. You know, Don't some get good me old, wrong. I I miss some good old Twitter too, but like. With how we're playing now, it, I don't really care. You know what I mean? Right. Because it, it's like, if we still had him, that'd be cool. But then, at the same time, like if we still had him, then we wouldn't have Ahmed Rosario, who has been playing fantastic baseball so. recently. I would argue to say that, you know, Ahmed Rosario is playing better than Francisco Lindor right now. So it's like, I, honestly, I feel like it kind of worked out for us by getting, you know, when we didn't resign Francisco Lindor, because I think he just completely fell off. I believe we also got Andres Jimenez in that trade as well. I think we did. So it's so like if it, we still we had him. We got two very good did. players out of the Francisco Lindor trade. So It's I, like we, we would be in kind of a world of hurt, I think, if we still had Francisco Lindor, where it's like, yeah, cool, we paid our best player at the time, but like... But you're a 500 ball club or worse every year. Yeah. <laughs> and now look look at us. Yeah, Magic number is one. AL Central, baby. Let's go. <laughs> so before that magic number finally goes down to zero, we are in a series with the Rangers. So far, the Guardians have won every game this series, and they do play today, as we talked about, a potential playoff-clinching game. What do you guys think of this series so far against the Rangers, and what are your predictions for today's game? We're taking care of business this series, as per usual. Uh, the Rangers just are not a very good ball club whatsoever. They've always struggled. Uh Apart from, I believe it was, uh, wasn't it in 2016 when they played the Blue Jays? Wasn't yeah, that what happened? I think it was the wild card game, I think. Yeah, wasn't that when Jose Batista yeah. hit the Batista bomb? Yeah, ever since then, Jose Batista owns this club. Um, anyway, moving on past that, I'll never, taking care of business with the Rangers, um, I expect us to come out today and win. Uh, I, but looking at how we've played against them this series, though, we haven't. Like blown them out. We've only won. We won the first game by three, and we won last night by two. So moving into tonight, I think we do take the win, but I think we take the win by two again. I have us winning six to four against the Rangers and clinching the AL Central. Um, yeah, I think they're going. They're gonna beat the Rangers. I don't know if we're gonna win six to four. Aaron, so. Aaron Savali this year, his ERA is. 529, which is not good, but I feel like he's pitched a lot better than the ERA says. He's been on the injured list. He's only pitched 80 innings this year, so it's kind of hard to say if that's really his ERA. And, I, and we know that he is capable of lowering that ERA because yeah. we've seen him do it in the past. It's just that, like you, know, like you said, he's been injured and he's only pitched those 80 innings so far. Like When it's all said and done, he's probably going to finish with like a 495 ERA, which, which isn't the greatest. It's not good. It's not good, but he's pitched better than that, I think, and he's He's been enough. I think they're going to win today, like three to one or three to two, because I think he's going to have a really strong showing. He's pitched very well. I think the last outing, though, he kind of lost it in a hurry, but he didn't. He was like, I think it went five innings, and in the sixth, he couldn't give anything. He like, I think he kept walking people. But that aside, I think we're going to see a really strong game out of him today. I'm thinking like six innings, and I'm thinking he's not going to allow a run, or he's going to allow like one run. And the Rangers are sending someone who has um, a five forty ERA. And he hasn't won a game this year, but he's also only pitched, he's only pitched 30 <laughs> innings this year. So I'm thinking it might be a good day for the Guardians. But with that said, I'm still going to go with the Guardians only scoring three runs. But th- I'm thinking like three to one, the Guardians win. Clinch the division. and they'll be, they'll be playoff baseball in Cleveland. Clinch, clinch the division and then go out and celebrate Guardians fans because finally back in it. We're finally back in it. Since 2018. Real, realistically, if once the Guardians clinch... What do you think their World Series chances are? I know we've talked about this a few times here over this past year, and a it lot of people's opinion a lot of people's opinion is that the Guardians don't have the capability to make it to the World Series. I wanted to get your guys' take on that. Reaching the absolute highest 
can the Guardians make the World Series, if not win it? Absolutely. We are playing lights-out baseball right now. And here's the thing I hate. People call the AL Central the worst division in all of baseball. We all know that people say that about the AL Central. I don't understand why people say that when you look at something like the AL West. You have one good team in that entire division. Like, yeah, when you look Seattle at it, it's... Too. I mean, Seattle in there, but I'm saying, like, overall, like, the like the AL Central, there's, the there's like, the main three, right? And then it kind of falls off a little bit, don't get me wrong. But then you have, like, the AL West, where it's basically just Houston. Because, yes, they have some of the biggest names in baseball, like, you know, on the Angels with Mike Trout and Shoei Otani. But let's be honest, those two are wasting away in Los Angeles. So... But I just have to get that off my chest because I don't like people telling me that the AL Central is the worst division in baseball. I, I think we're I the most competitive. I think we're one of the most competitive because all of all of the teams in the AL Central all kind of have the same amount of star power. So I think it it we have better games in my opinion. I think it's more fun to watch. It's a chance at the end of the season that the second and third place teams in this division finish below five hundred. Seattle is a team in the AL West that is playing very well, and they're going to be a wild card team probably when it's all said and done. Um, and Houston obviously is running away with that, but I don't know. I mean, I think our division is more competitive, but in terms of the best division, I don't think it's... I'm not saying we're the best. Or, I'm sorry, not saying I, we're the worst. I'm sorry. In, in terms of being the worst, I think that... I think we are probably the worst division, but that doesn't matter because if we, if we can come out of the division and still be as hot as we are, and it's not going to matter if we, if we have 90 wins and the Astros and Yankees have over 100. We could still do it, I think. It just boils down to if we come out of the regular season as like like on fire with how we're playing now. If we come out as hot as we are now, there's no way I don't see us making a World Series run again. But if we cool down, then it might be a bit of a fight. I think if they're, if they're just as hot as they are, they can... Definitely beat Seattle or Tampa Bay in the wild card series, um, the three game series. I think they can win that, and then I think they would go to New York. I think is where they would go after. I think that's that's how it would, it would project. Um, and which this year we haven't played bad against the Yankees when we have played them. Yeah. So I think I think we could handle the Yankees if it came down to that. Yeah, in the best of five ALDS, I think they could do it, but I think it would be key. They would have to. Um, I think the first two are in New York, so yeah, you have to split the first two. I think yeah. in New York, then you have to then just take care of business. We'd have home. to be absolutely pinpoint with everything that we were doing if it came down to playing the Yankees. The other thing I'm worried about with the playoffs is like, how's the season going to end in terms of the rotation? Like, I'm hoping that like the final Kansas City series, it's not like McKenzie and Bieber the last two games because that's gonna, say, that's going to hurt. I say a moving lot. into that, we just start calling some guys up because yeah. well, but then give give the starters some rest, get them prepared, let them like physically and mentally prepare for moving into the playoffs because but the a problem, lot of these guys on our team, they haven't seen the postseason. That's true. But the problem is is that if you if you give them rest, then come postseason, they might be a little like rusty and not there. So they, they still have to get into these games. And if you, like, let's say you have them pitch like a 40, 50 pitches or something like that, that might still be a little might be still a little too much rest because then you're just I don't know. I, I think what they should do moving into that then is like Feel like an eighty pitch limit, yeah, maybe. might be good. Maybe like a seventy-five to eighty, and then move past that. As long as you're keeping their arms loose. I feel like we kind of saw that. Didn't Quantrill only pitch eighty pitches last night? Yeah, so. he, he did, and then we moved uh, away from him. But that's good because I think so, what we're trying to do is like wind them, down yeah. our starters. Yeah, yeah because then, we know we're making the playoffs. Like it, it's a given at this point. I'm just hoping it's not like I think this team. I'm hoping it's not like 2016 because I don't think we're just going to rely on our two pitchers. Because I think you can definitely get like. 
you can do all of them. As long as Plesak is in the rotation, they stay with Morris. I know he's young, but he, I think he can do it. He's playing very well. And Zach Plesak has not played well. He has not played well this year. He's, he's on the line back, and they better not put him in the rotation. I want to see him in the bullpen for this thing, or just not play at all. I would like to see him in the bullpen for this because Designate I think Brian I think Shaw having for him assignment come. and just, yeah please yes. please why why how is he still on our roster is what I want he's to know horrible. I don't know he's horrible he's he, awful he, like he, he's a great guy don't get me wrong but he is such a bad pitcher only he only he can make a ten to five game in the bottom of the eleventh inning against the White Sox feel like a not secure lead that yeah was scary he he just every time he comes out I'm just like why are we doing this to ourselves it's like it's like we're looking at who we're playing and we're like you guys want a free win. <laughs> Do you want to win a game right now? Because he is just. I, feel like, I, feel like I, I would like to see Plesak in the bullpen. Though. I feel like he's only insurance if we're down by like seven runs. He'll he's insurance if we're down by ten. Yeah, like, seriously. He could give because up he nine. Makes a, he makes a seven run game a seventeen run game. So exactly. That's just how it goes. Uh, I, I I agree with having Plesak in the bullpen though. Moving into this, I think that that'd be smart because he say we need somebody to come in and just like get us at least a solid two innings I think Zach Plesak can do that for us so I, I think he I think he can do that the thing that. that worries me though is that you you have Henches too and he's kind of like that so then where does he fit on this team I guess you that is true but then I will but then I still worry like I feel like we're not going to use Cody Morris in the playoffs but he's played we very should use well him. Okay. He's, I, I think I what we should young, do is he's we, played incredibly well but one thing that like, we could do is have Plesak start uh the postseason and then have uh Morris come in out of the bullpen if Plesak starts to get shaky because I think that we were I, I think we go with Plesak over Morris because of Plesak's um, leadership and also his experience yeah, over sure. Morris's experience. So I, I think that what we should do is either keep Plesak in the bullpen or you start Zach Plesak but also have Morris ready to come in within an inning or two because I think that if we can at least start a game strong with Zach Plesak and get the momentum on our side then we can put Cody Morris in the game, and then he can handle business from there. Well, the other thing that worries me, though, is, too, I don't see them sticking with a five-person rotation come the playoffs. They traditionally wouldn't do that because you have, like, off days there. I think I think they do travel days, I'm, I think. I'm not 100% I, I think they that. do whenever they move. I when think they, they have, like, that one travel traps, Yeah, so I don't, see, I don't see them needing five pitchers. So then you would probably would have um, – you'd probably go McKenzie, Bieber – um, Quantrill and Savali, and then you probably have Plesak and Morris in the bullpen, and then hopefully you get rid of Shaw, so he does. He's not. Please. I know he's a veteran, but I feel like you don't need him for this in this run. He's not going to be there for he, you. He's the only reason he should be there is to help coach everybody else. Like he literally, that's the only reason he should be there because of his experience. And I don't want to see him come into the game. I want him there that way he can, you know, help give pointers to the rest of these guys. Who a lot of these guys, like I said, they've never seen the postseason. Yeah. So I, I think if we have Shaw still in there at least to be kind of like a hey, this is what you should be doing. Yeah, for we'll sure. be good. But don't don't put him in a game for the love of God. Do not put him in the game Definitely. ever. Before before we head into our next break, World Series pick whether it's the Guardians or not and why. Quickly, Pat. I, I want to give it to the Guardians so bad, but I'm gonna stick with my original prediction of the Battle of New York in the World Series. Wow. Okay. Yankees and Mets. Okay. Devin? I think it's Mets and the Guardians, honestly. I know that's... I would love to see that. But, but I wouldn't know who to root for. What? I'm going to be... Well, yeah, listen, what? I no, like no, no, Mets. stop. No, no I like way you just also, said that. Think about it. Think, think about who's on the Mets team. I could care less who's on the Mets team. 
Really? Why would I? You, you wouldn't want if the Guardians were playing in the World Series. Cool though, if we had if like you know somebody that graduated from Akron won a World Series, that'd be kind of cool. I think it would also be cool for the Guardians to win a World well, Series. Well, obviously, I'm gonna. I, if, if it was the Guardians, yes, I would want them to win. But if, if Chris ba- uh, Bassett is pitching, I'm gonna want him to do well because I'm the, I'm like a Zips fan. Primary thing, everybody knows this. I love everything about the Zips. Like even our. Uh, even like our alumni, like even if they're on a team I don't like, I underlyingly would I want them to win and do good because they they came from here. Yeah. All right. I, oh, sorry. I no, go ahead, Devin. Go ahead. Yeah. So I got the Guardians um, winning in the World Series. Might be a little bit rooting for a young team, but I th- I think they can do it. They played very well this year. I think so as well. I would also pick Guardians-Mets as my World Series matchup with the Guardians winning. Of course, I'm not sure where that dumb take from Pat came from that he would be interested in seeing the Mets beat the Guardians. Pretty obscure there. Only if Chris Bassett is pitching a game. If it's it's, it's Chris Bassett pitching against us in a game, I couldn't care less is my answer to that. But we are going to head into our next break. Coming up next, we will have a little bit of NBA talk with the Emi Odoka suspension news, as well as our hot mic segment. So make sure it is your last chance to get your questions in. Go to at WZIP Sports on Twitter. Find the tweet from this Wednesday or just tweet at us your questions. We will read them and answer them live on air right here on WZIP 88.1. Stick with us. Welcome back, folks, to Sports Power Talk right here on WZIP. Once again, I am your host, Logan Congrove. Joining me today is... Devin Lucas. And Patrick Weber. And we are here talking sports all morning long for you. And this segment is going to be a little bit about the National Basketball Association, which normally around this time is not making too many headlines. But here we are. Obviously, one of the biggest sports headlines of the week was Celtics coach Ime Adoka's suspension. It is a suspension for the entirety of the 2022-2023 season with a report by Shams saying Ime Adoka allegedly made unwanted comments toward a female staffer, which prompted an internal investigation. Some Celtics staffers became aware of Adoka's relationship with the woman in July, but thought that it was consensual. Guys, I don't want to speculate on any of the accusations. Let's talk a little bit more about how it's going to affect the Boston Celtics as a basketball team. Pat, I'll start with you. What are you thinking about Ime Odoka's suspension and how it affects Boston? I should also note that Joe Mazzula will be the interim head coach of the Celtics. He is one of their top assistant coaches. Pat, what do you think? How does um, this affect the Celtics going forward? First of all, good move by the NBA for suspending him for the season. I you know, I we talk about some certain things like this. I think it is uh, very fair suspension. I would even argue to say maybe suspend him for longer or remove so it's him actually, as the head coach. It's actually a Celtics issued suspension, not okay, an NBA suspension. Well, then I applaud the Celtics. Yeah, because they're making the right decision. But um, I I don't think it affects them too much. I'm going to be honest with you. Um, as long as you can p- put some of the product out on the field or out on the uh, court that you know they did last year, you're going to be just fine. I mean, the Celtics last year. Absolutely phenomenal basketball program. Jason Tatum, he was him in the playoffs up until they played Golden State. So I, I don't think it affects them too much. Um, but again, I, I applaud the organization on handling this very swiftly and very fairly, I think. Yeah, I think they handled it very fair, fairly, and I think you're right. I don't think it's going to really affect them. <laughs> so I would say that it's going to maybe shake them up for a little while, but considering they are using an interim head coach that is involved in the organization already. I don't think it messes with them too much. I do think that Udoka 
may end up not returning as head coach of the Celtics. I, I would say so as well, um, especially with you know what what had happened. Um, again, I would prefer to see that he does not come back. Uh, in my personal uh, opinion here, um, you know, but like like I said before, the Celtics they moved very swiftly uh, to take care of this issue. So I, I do applaud them for that, and I think that this should not just be a Celtics investigation. I think the entire uh, NBA should also take a look into what is what has happened. I think it, there should be a league suspension as well. I, I thought it was a I thought it was both of them that had handled uh, the situation. I didn't know it was just the Celtics, um, but I, I think that the NBA should also step in and you know tell them, hey, we're going to suspend you indefinitely for for what you did because I think that would be a uh, I think that's the fairest that you're going to get um, in terms of what had happened. Yeah, at the very least, the NBA needs to step in and spend them for the season, but it definitely should be an indefinite suspension, I think. I think that the Celtics suspension of the entire season is definitely correct, but I also think that he is not going to retain his job. I know there was a lot of reports that his job status after the suspension of the season wasn't in question, but then Stephen A. Smith came on first take yesterday and talked about how he does believe that it is in jeopardy. I would agree with that take. And I think that if he were to be relieved, as much as I don't agree with what's going on, I think he would be considered one of the top head coaching candidates on the market purely because he did just take his team to the finals as a rookie head coach. And I'm sure some struggling team would put it past their morals, just like the Cleveland Browns did with Deshaun Watson, would put it past their morals to hire this guy as their head coach. Although I don't think that that should be the reality. I think that if you go through something like this, there should be major consequences for that. And I think the suspe- the suspension is correct for Ime Udoka, and I'm hoping that there are further consequences past this season. But moving on, sticking with the NBA and sticking with the Celtics, do the Boston Celtics fall in the power rankings with an interim head coach? What do you guys think? I, I believe so. I believe instead of being uh, number one, I believe they would fall to fourth or fifth. They would still be a very sound team, but I think that other teams in the Eastern Conference, with how much this conference has been uh, gaining ground and gaining um, star power, uh, I, I think that the Celtics are going to fall to like four or five. Three at the absolute best. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I think <clears throat> four or five is... Good place for them. There's a lot of talent in the East now. So, yeah, I think Which, they would fall a little That hasn't bit. happened in a while that there's been a lot of power in the East because for a while it was... It's always the West. It was it? always the West, but now I think it's very spread out again, which yeah. I, I, I enjoy seeing I'd rather uh, an actual affair. Yeah, because yeah. when it's just one conference, you know, dominating, like when... I know in Kawhi, when he left the uh, the Raptors and went over to the Clippers, it was kind of like, a, well, geez, look at all the star power the West has. We're at, like, at the time you had... Donovan Mitchell, Rudy Gobert, you have LeBron James, Anthony Davis, um, Kawhi Leonard, and Paul George, you know, Damian Lillard still in there. Uh, obviously, the entirety of the Golden State Warriors, uh, the Phoenix Suns, when they started playing well, uh, they had DeMar DeRozan on the Spurs. I mean, it's like every big name in basketball you can think of, they're over there. John Morant with the Grizzlies, you know, it's just like all that. And then in the East, it was nobody. Was, right. Well, Kevin Durant um, and Giannis, and that was. Yeah. Quite frankly, that was about it. But now it's it's spread itself back out. Where I think it's very fair because when you watch the finals, you don't want to see a Western Conference team like win every single time, which is what it's been for the past few years. So with Boston, you guys both say that Boston is going to fall in the power yes, rankings. Yes, one hundred percent. Okay, so with Boston falling in the power rankings, how does this help the Cavs in the power rankings, who just acquired Donovan Mitchell, have had a very strong offseason, looks to be finally one of the premier teams in the Eastern Conference again. 
Can the Cavs jump the Celtics as a better team in the East? If not, why? If they do, why? What do you guys think? Absolutely. I see no reason why we don't jump uh, the Celtics this year. We have six of the NBA's top 100 players on our roster. There's no way that we don't we don't jump the Celtics. Our roster is just, we have so much depth coming off of our bench. Our starting lineup is just better. Yes, we might not have a star with the level of talent that Jason Tatum has, but we have Darius Garland, Donovan Mitchell, um, Evan know, Mobley. Man. I think that Donovan Mitchell has about the same star caliber as Jason Tatum. I I don't know. I mean, Jason Tatum was him. Like I said, last postseason, up until they played the Warriors, Jason Tatum, Jason Tatum was him in the in the Warriors series. Jason well, no, that, that's what I'm nothing. saying. Up up until the Warriors, up up until the Warriors series, Jason Tatum looked like, uh, which I still think is the most absolute blasphemous thing I've ever heard come out of somebody's mouth. But he looked like baby Kobe. Oh. I, I don't want to like reiterate that, but I'm just saying that he he looked phenomenal. And then yes, they he did step in and they did choke against the Golden State Warriors, but. I see no reason why we don't jump uh, the Celtics this year. We have a far, far superior roster to the Boston Celtics. There's no way that we don't jump them this year. I, I would argue, say the Cavs, we have a chance at even finishing, uh, you know, a top three in the East I right see now. That. I, I could see yeah. us finishing even possibly, you know, if, if you know, actually necessarily if Donovan Mitchell has an absolute star power season, I see no reason why we don't finish it first. What do you think, Devin? I don't know about first, but I do think that with that, I see Boston obviously as four or five. I think I can see the Cavs at like three or four being like one better. But yeah, if they're top three, I'm thinking like number three. Okay. Yeah, the star power there. The offseason helps the Cavs a lot. So following the Idoko suspension, while we're on the topic of power rankings, I asked each of you to give me your top five Eastern Conference teams following that suspension. Pat, I'll start with you once again. Who are your top five teams in the Eastern Conference? My top Conference? five teams, one through five, are... Uh, I have to give it to the Miami Heat at number one, um, just because their success in the East, um, <laughs> as of late... I, listen, as much as I... For the culture, I, man. As much as I hate to admit it, you know, Heat culture is here. Yes, um, it is. The Heat are just that good. Uh, number two, I'm going to give it to the I Cavaliers. Like I'm going to give the Cavs number two, because we are just that good. Uh, I am head over heels with... The moves we made in the postseason, I see no reason why the Cavs can't finish at number two. At uh, number three, I have the Milwaukee Bucks. Obviously, Giannis Antetokounmpo is a freak of nature. There's no other way to put it. And I've been seeing a lot of videos online, and he is starting to develop a three-point shot, which is absolutely terrifying to think about Giannis being able to shoot threes consistently. That is just nightmare fuel. Uh, number four, I do still have the Boston Celtics. I do think the Celtics will still remain a top-five team in the Eastern Conference. And at number five... Um, barring any trades that might happen, I'm going to give it to the Brooklyn Nets. Okay, Devin. All right, I got um, Miami as number as my number one. Great pick. <laughs> I have Milwaukee as my second one. Okay. Um, I have Cleveland finishing as number three. I think the off season helps out a lot. As I was as I reiterate, Boston at number four <laughs> could be number five, but I'm going to go with number four for Boston. I don't think it's going to affect them too much. I think it'll drop them to four, but I don't know about five or lower and then i got philly as the final one okay i just don't know how james harden's gonna, if james harden manages to somewhat come back into his houston uh, mvp status i'll put the sixers at five but until then i i still think that the nets that this is the make or break season for the nets i think everybody knows that especially with kevin durant wanting out Kyrie wanting out 
so I think the Nets are going to play far. I think they're going to play far, far better this year. I think the coaching is going to be far superior because they don't want to lose. You know, arguably two of the biggest names in all of basketball, just because of you know we can't win a playoff game. So I, I I'm going to give it to the Nets right now. But if James Harden um, can get it together, I I think the Sixers would also put up a very very good run in the East. For sure. Yeah. All right. Moving into our hot mic segment, we do this each week. We post the tweet on at WZIP Sports every Wednesday. So make sure you are always giving questions for that to be answered on air. We're going to go down the list, and I'm going to start off with Pat. You will like the asker of this question. Zips Barstool oh, has asked yeah. us a question. Let's they go. want to know who is the greatest Zips alum of all time, athletic or non-athletic? True of all time. Um. Honorable mention, 100%, goes down to my cousin Brian. Shout out, Brian. Doing wonders with Run the Show. Uh, a little bit of background between that. He started his own AAU uh, training-type program, and they're doing absolutely fantastic. I had the opportunity to work at one of their shows, where I also met Coach Gross. So also shout out, Coach Gross, because that was really cool to meet him. Um, but I think the greatest of all time, I, it's got to be Jason Taylor, man. Okay. He is just, oh, he was so dominant. I mean, come on. Defensive player, you just can't not sure. say it's Jason Taylor. Devin? Yeah, I'd agree. Jason Taylor, even Charlie Fry, but Jason Taylor. I think Jason Taylor me. because of the success that he found in the NFL. Where Charlie yeah. Fry, he struggled a little bit. Don't get me wrong. Charlie Fry, greatest Akron quarterback to ever do it. Yeah. 100%. But in terms of best Akron alumni ever, athletic-wise at least, it has to be Charlie Fry. Yeah. For sure. Or not Charlie Fry, um, Jason Taylor. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going... Athletic, I'm going to go Romeo Travis of the respect. men's basketball team. Respect it, respect Great it. player, has his number retired in the jar. Definitely going Romeo Travis. Non-athletic, I'm going to go with my buddy Jake Spinner. I know you're listening right now. Jake <laughs> Spinner Jake Spinner really put me on the University of Akron. I honestly wasn't even considering the University of Akron as a high school senior, and then I met Jake, put me on the university, and here I am hosting Sports Power Talk for all of you. So I'm going to go Jake Spinner as my non-athletic alumni Shout out, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> Moving on to our next question from my favorite sports oh, power boy. talk fan that there is. Jake Murren's number one fan, Logan Congrove's biggest disliker, Jake Murren, a goat. He asks, are the Ravens the only real team in the AFC North? I, I don't even understand why um, that's a question because they're actually because the, the Browns are, are in horrible. first. The Ravens are horrible. I mean, no, absolutely not. Lamar Jackson's going to leave and... uh Listen, I, I understand that he's a big Ravens fan. Um, I I don't know if I respect that or not because he I think he's the only Ravens fan that I know. But absolutely not. I, there are far better teams in the AFC North than yeah. the Baltimore Ravens. Yeah, come dumb on. question. The there. Ratbirds. Come on. Yeah, I would agree with that. Um, no, no disrespect, but really, <laughs> come on, Jake Murnigo. You can do better than that. You, you could Devin. at least. You could at least be like a Bengals fan or something. What's your answer? What's your <laughs> answer to Jake Murray and a Goat's question, Devin? Yeah, I would agree with Pat on that. Ravens are just Brett like birds. <laughs> and I see you tweeting as we speak that the Ravens are on top. If you want to check the standings, I believe that's incredibly <laughs> false. But I'll go to your next question, Jake Murray and a Goat. What do you think the U.S. will have to do at goalkeeper to do well in the World Cup? Pat, this one is Ooh. geared more towards me and you because I know we talk soccer. I... I think the injury to Zach Steffen is really tough for the United States, and I think that loss in the friendly to Japan was also really bad. 
but I think that they need to figure it out at goalkeeper very quickly because we should be playing World Cup caliber soccer with it being 50 days agree. away. But like, like you said, that injury does hurt, and then it, it definitely showed in that friendly to Japan. We, we need to figure it out. You know, Like you said, we, we have to because we as a country have finally, like we're, we're finally up there where we can compete with the best countries in the world in soccer. We can compete with them now. Yes, Jake Mernigo, we do need Stefan. I agree with that take, and I don't agree with you very much. <laughs> so on, on the on the Ravens thing, you guys don't agree, but when it comes to soccer, I think we can all collectively agree that we have got to figure something out, right? Zach now. Stefan needs to come back immediately. 100%. Moving on to our next question is from Aaliyah Craig, one of my good friends. She asked, who do you think should perform at the Super Bowl in 2023 since we know Logan doesn't think it should be Taylor Swift? I do not think it should be Taylor Swift, but I'll let you two go first. Go ahead and answer that question. If Travis Scott was allowed to perform at the NFL halftime, mm. I would want it to be Travis Scott. He already did, though. Yeah, but think about it. Think about if you had like a lineup like this where you had like something like last year. Okay, last year's lineup was awesome. Yeah, I just want to say that right now. <laughs> Um, I would, and that's why I think Taylor Swift following up that awesome show is it's terrible. It is Aaliyah, such an L. I'm terrible so choice. But I will give it to Aaliyah. She did make a point to me earlier this week that the NFL does know how to make money, and that is a way to tap into the woman market with the it NFL. It is because I mean, even though we don't, I, it's not talked about enough. I mean, the majority of NFL fans and viewers are all male. And obviously, you put you know people like last year where you have uh, Snoop Dogg, you've got Kendrick Lamar. That's you're not really getting any more uh, viewership over what I mean, you already got. Jake Burn and Goat said Kanye. Oh, dude, if you had Ye, that that could be good. Hear that me would, out on that. That could be good. Who do you think you would want to see perform in your own personal opinion? Yeah, I think Kanye is good, but I kind of I don't hate the Taylor Swift. I think it's a good market try to get. Yeah, I, I'm know. not saying I hate it. I'm just saying that you know you're following up where you had Snoop Dogg again, Snoop Dogg, Eminem, uh, Kendrick Lamar. You had like literally the greatest lineup of like all time. Yeah, and then you go to Taylor Swift. Like, I don't think it's gonna top last year's halftime. No, I don't think anything will top last year's. But It'll, the I, only way to top it is Kanye. It. The only way to top it is if you get Ye to come out and perform. That's, that's the only way to do that, it. I don't know if that would even top it. I'm going Kid Cudi. Kid Cudi, hundred percent respect. Kid Cudi, I honestly, I'd say, that's good. Or I'd even go like, do give it to like Lil Uzi. Okay, yeah, I, I love Kid I love Cudi Uzi. or Uzi. Moving on to our next question. This one comes from Zach Stratton. He said, "What are your thoughts on the Browns' defensive players only meeting? Was it really necessary two weeks into the season, or could it have been about guys like Denzel Ward throwing teammates under the bus?" As he did ask this question pre Thursday night and said the game might lead to some answers. But yes, the Browns did have a players only meeting on the defensive side. What do you guys think about that meeting? I think it obviously worked because the Browns defense against uh, the Steelers on Thursday, uh, much to my much to my pain, uh, was <laughs> outstanding. So I, I will say I think that meeting was needed uh, to just sort some things out, you know, settle. Um, you know, any beef that might have been starting to, you know, come up or anything. So I think I think it was a meeting that was needed. Um, and I think that it worked very well. Yeah, I, I think that this uh, meeting was needed, especially when you're when you're two weeks in a row. You're you're giving away the game when you're up by like around fourteen. Especially points, against the New York Jets. Which here's the thing: if it if it wouldn't have been Joe Flacco at QB, I don't think that loss would have been as magnified as it was. But the Browns made Joe Flacco look like he was playing back in 2012 again. Browns could easily be one and two right now. The Browns could easily be three and zero right yeah, now, or one and two, 
Or one and two, that is Browns true. Browns are the Browns, man. I don't know if they necessarily deserve to win the game against the Panthers, but that's another take for another time. I, res- I you know what? I would I respect owning up to like I don't know if you should have won. I, I respect it. I think it evens out because they didn't deserve to win against the Panthers, but they deserve to absolutely walk all over my the, Steelers. For sure. Well, no, I'm saying I think because they didn't really deserve to beat the Panthers and they did deserve to beat the Jets, but then there's other ways. So I think it kind of evened out. It did even out. And shout so. out the Jets, second team making me smile that day for sure. <laughs> Next question is once again from Jake Mernigo. And this one I'd like to personally answer. The question is, what does Logan Congrove do to always have the worst sports takes of all time? I have an answer for this. Okay, you know what? Yeah, go ahead, Pat. It's because you're a Liverpool fan. <laughs> Man. It's because you're a Liverpool fan. You see, if you weren't a Liverpool fan and you were a fan of a more respectable team, uh, much like that of Chelsea or Arsenal, no. that'd just be so much better. But hey, Jake Mernigo. <laughs> You know, it actually takes a lot of time and effort. I, I, you know, I'd like to shout out my fans, shout out people like you. It takes a lot of time and effort to be this great at sports takes. And I'm honored that you made a whole account based off me, really. It must mean that my information is getting across. But yeah, man, just stay on the grind. It takes hard work, talent, dedication to have sports takes like these. Jake Marino Goat, man. Just keep listening to the show, and you might continue to learn a few things. But that's my answer to that question. (laughs) Moving on, next question is, he is off this week, but he is still asking us questions on Twitter. Our our normal host, Jake Murren, our director, asks, What's up, y'all? Just because Logan's hosting, I'm still the GOAT at Jake Murren and GOAT can confirm. I'm denying that. Predictions (laughs) for the Zips women's soccer game today against Kent State. Pat, I'll let you start. A hundred nothing us because Kent State deserves nothing. Realistically, though, two to one we win. Okay. Devin? Yeah, I'd say like two to one. I think that the Zips have been, they've been in a tough stretch lately, but girls like Emma King, Morgan Pence, Clara Crone, they're all going to make a difference against Kent State. Plus, nobody likes Kent State. Everybody's pumped up for them. I would say... Tight game, but the zips come away. I'm not sure the exact score. Birds don't have teeth. I would say two to one is probably a decent score prediction. I know that Coach Simonetti will have them pumped up for this game. And if you haven't listened to me and Pat's podcast on Zip Soccer, make sure you check it out on SPT Overtime, the Zip Soccer Megacast, to get more information on both our men's and women's program. But moving on to our next question, this one comes from Kelly Craig, and she says, does Stephen Kwan break Kenny Lofton's rookie hit record? That's a great question. What do you guys think? Mm, I'm going to go with yes, because Stephen Kwan is him. So simply put, yeah, I I think you could do it, because Stephen Kwan is one of our better bats this season, so 100%. Okay. I think it's possible. I mean, he's going out there every night. It seems like he's getting like two hits every every night. It's possible. It'll be hard, but it it is possible, especially with how well he's been playing recently. Yeah. He's played well all season. Exactly. That was a great question. <laughs> I would also say that he could break it, but if he does, that's awesome. Kenny Lofton's one of my favorite players of all time. Great question by Kelly Craig there. Thank you so much. Our next question comes from WZIP alum Jeff Longville. He said, if Jacoby Brissett continues to play well, would you rather him finish this season or be replaced by Watson when his suspension is up? I, I'll, I'll let you guys start. I definitely have this, an answer this to this is, one. This is between you guys because I'm like the outlier as a non-Browns fan. Okay. Personally speaking, I don't appreciate how Jacoby Brissett beat me. So, like, I would <laughs> gladly take Deshaun Watson because who knows? Maybe Deshaun Watson, like, just doesn't play good. Devin? And then maybe maybe he's just bad now. Who knows? I think it's going to come down to how he plays against the Texans. I mean, what we see out of Brissett so far this season, he looks a lot like Baker. I don't know if it's just 
um, Kevin Stefanski's system or what it is, but he doesn't look much worse than how Baker looked pre-injury last year, I'm thinking. Like, okay. he doesn't, he looks about the same. After Baker got hurt, of course, he, it was bad, but I'm thinking, like, I think let's see how Watson played. We saw him in that first preseason game. It didn't look good, but it's also the first preseason game of the year. He hasn't played in two years. We'll see what he looks like against the Texans. If he comes out and it's like 39 yards, like one for 10 or something like that, he had one 39-yard completion, three interceptions, I think you you bench him and put in Jacoby and then. I and know it's a waste of a draft Wouldn't the Browns picks, feel but. so, so dumb for spending $250 see, million? Dollars? And here's my answer on that. <laughs> We are absolutely putting Deshaun Watson in the game, no matter what, because we spent two hundred and fifty guaranteed dollars on this guy. But if he doesn't perform, do you go back to Jacoby? No, I think you should. No, I think you got to let the guy stay. I think you put Joshua Dobbs in because Joshua Dobbs is the goat. Joshua Dobbs is the goat. I'm cutting your mic. You're not wrong about that. I do think he looked better. He looked better in the preseason. You're welcome for him. You're welcome for him. I don't know why Jacoby Brissett was even our starter going in, but apparently he looks good. But I thought Dobbs looked a lot better in the shout out Joshua Dobbs, arguably one of my favorite Steelers players of all time, and just for the meme, just for the meme. Next question we have is from Matt Permuka, one of our analysts here at WZIP Sports, and he said, what are your thoughts on the Browns fan who hit Jimmy Haslam with a water bottle last Sunday? Yeah, I saw that, and I was just kind of like, why? Like, I, why? It's not his fault. Whatever. Yeah. I, bad, very, very poor class act by the Browns fan, but, I mean, the, the Browns did say they'd take care of it. They did say that they would... Uh, not allow that fan to come back to any game. So, I mean, I guess that's good. Uh, I feel indifferent about it again because it's not it's not really my like team, not really my fan base. But it, that's whatever. Yeah, I think it was wrong. I don't think he should have even done that. I don't care if the team w- lost by forty points. I don't. I don't care if we were up by thirteen points or not. It's still wrong. Also, it's not the owner's fault that we lost by thirteen points. Poor defense is what it is for sure. Joe Woods, poor, poor the worst team. defensive coordinator that is in correct. Higher NFL. I'd argue that it was a special team's fault. I mean, the same thing. Preferred, saw, preferred didn't do his job either as special team coach. He didn't coach do his there. job against the Steelers either. He, no. they almost gave it away to the Steelers too. I don't know about that. It was, I'm be it honest was, with it you. was fumbled by. I was I was out there like, watching. I was out there watching the game, and I'm like, "Geez, can we put Kenny Pickett in already?" Like, I can't watch. I you can't saying watch that is big too. I can't watch Mitch Trubisky do it. I I can't. <laughs> I like he. It's the same thing every game. It's one standout half where it's like, okay, this is what I expect to see, and then you go into the next half, and Matt Canada's like, "All right, see how many uh, screen passes we can throw before <laughs> it stops working," and it's like they don't work anyway, or like let's just keep running up the gut, and we get like no yards, like what. Definitely. You you saw what uh, you saw the stat or like the sheet of Deontay Johnson's routes. Matt Canada is a terrorist to the game of football with how he coaches. It is it's abysmal. It is so bad. I can go on. I, I'm sure like Browns fans, you guys can go on about Joe Woods and how bad he is all day. I can do that with Matt Canada because he is the worst offensive coordinator of all time. For sure, he's horrible. Last question before we go into break. Other than Michigan, what is the worst state? Worst state, Idaho. Why is that? Why Idaho? <laughs> <laughs> Nothing but potatoes. Okay. Because this won the Idaho Potato Bowl at one point. We did. Yeah, I, I'm pretty sure they shipped us from that. Good title. pick. Um, uh, honestly, other than other than Michigan, what's the worst state? I'm gonna give it to Ohio because what? No, dude, our weather is the most. You're done. No, Mike our cut. weather is absolutely <laughs> terrible. I blame it on the weather because there's been times I've gone through all four seasons in a day. 
And it's like, I don't want to go through all four seasons in one day. Well, yeah, because we have, Man. Those, we have those days in March where it's the high 75, but it, by, but then it by, snows in the morning. But and by, then, But by 8 p.m., it's 15 degrees. It's like, how did that happen? I, I just give it to us because <laughs> of our weather, and I also give it because, like, people in Ohio don't know how to drive. It's That's insane. Very true. Like, especially if you're like, here's the difference between, like, so I'm from Southern Ohio. So, like, where I'm from, it's like, people don't know how to drive, but at least they're safe about it because they're, like, sure. they're rednecks. So, like, they're, they're, they know what they're doing when they're yeah. driving bad. Up here, people just don't know how to drive. And it's like, if, it's like, if you're, if you're going to drive bad, at least be good at driving bad. Don't be bad at driving bad because I have seen, I've seen people just drive in the middle of the, like, literally in between two lanes. I'm like, Get in a lane. Get in a lane. (laughs) Don't just sit in the... Get in a lane. Like, it's just... Dude, the drivers and the weather up here in Ohio, they drive me insane. People apparently think that if they have their turn signal on, it's a red light. They don't even stop. They're like, you know what? I'm going to go. Even though it's red, I'm just going to go. It blows my mind. I'm not even going to look. I'm just going to go. Or I'm just going to fly through a stop sign if there's no cars there. That or... You know what? I'm just going to go. Or if it's not Ohio, probably Pennsylvania. Because that's It's two big cities and then nothing. Yeah. For sure. My pick is going to be West Virginia. All my friends who knew me when I was in ETC in high school know why. West Virginia is such a boring state and is good for no reason. But now it's time to head into our next break, our final break of the show. When we come back, we will be talking all about the NFL today's slate of games and doing our pickums. Also reviewing the Browns Thursday night football game against the Pittsburgh Steelers. We have Pittsburgh Steelers fan Pat Weber up here to represent mm. that side of the matchup. So you won't want to miss that. Keep it with us right here on Z88 Sports Power Talk. Welcome back to Sports Power Talk for our final segment of the show. Once again, I am your host, Logan Congrove. Joining me today is... Devin Lucas. And Patrick Weber. Welcome back, guys. It is time to talk a little NFL football, and we will start out, like I mentioned before, recapping the Thursday night football matchup between the Cleveland Browns and the Pittsburgh Steelers. We have Browns fan Devin Lucas here, and we have Steelers fan Patrick Weber on the other side of the desk. I'm behind the desk. I'm a Browns fan, so you are outnumbered two to one, Pat. But it is still good I, to I, have I your perspective. Am. I typically am outnumbered. <laughs> it's and, uh, it's yeah. still good to have your perspective up here as a fan of the other team. So let's get started. We'll start off by recapping the game. What did you guys think so far from the Browns? A score was in the Cleveland Browns' favor, obviously winning. Pat, as a Steelers fan, what do you think? Matt Canada deserves to be fired and never see a football field again. That man is a terrorist to the game of football. Uh, <laughs> yeah, he's the worst offensive coordinator I've ever had the displeasure of watching coach at any level of football. Uh, he is horrible. Um, honestly, you know, it was a 29-17 to loss. Um, I don't I don't think that the score really showed that. Because, like, I'm going to be honest, that last play, I was just, like, losing brain cells watching what we were trying to do. Like, I don't understand why we were doing... While we're trying to do, you know, pass back and everything. I don't get it. Like, just run out of bounds. Whatever. Um, I think the Browns did play very well, though. I think their defense stepped up big time, um, especially coming in late into the game. Um, I also think Jacoby Brissett, he played very well, and so did David Njoku, uh, which going into that game, I had a very heavy debate with some of my friends over who was a better tight end, Pat Fryermuth or David Njoku. Uh, and it was like a split 50-50 between Njoku and Pat Fryermuth. And I was like, well, I guess we'll just let tonight's game decide it. Um, and David Njoku did play very well, so did Amari Cooper. Um, as a whole, the Browns' offense played very, very, very well uh, against the Steelers. Um, and just put Kenny Pickett in already. I, I never thought I'd say those words, but as a Steelers fan, f- 
please put in Kenny Pickett. I can't watch Mitch Trubisky. BQB, I, I can't watch it anymore. It, it's the same thing every game. I feel like I'm watching. It's like I already don't get wins on Saturdays because the Zips, you know, we struggle winning. It's like <laughs> I don't want to feel like I'm watching somebody that played like Zach Gibson last year. Like they do decent enough for at least a half of like a half a game, and then they might kind of fall off. I just can't do it. Put Kenny Pickett in, and you. I know this is a surprise because everybody knows how much I dislike Kenny Pickett, but. Put Kenny Pickett in the game because this is just ridiculous. It is, it's just ridiculous. Devin, from a Browns fan's perspective, how do you think that game went? And moving forward, what does it mean for Cleveland? All right, well, the first thing I'm going to start with is I'm a little nervous with Cade York. He has, he's struggling on extra points, it seems like. Yes. He struggled against the Jets. He, hit, he missed that one, and then he missed one against Pittsburgh now. He can. He has the leg strength to hit like sixty-five yard field goals, but if he can't hit those extra points, I'm a little nervous. We wasted a. Four, well, I'm hoping we didn't waste, but we used a fourth-round draft pick on him. Makes me a little nervous. It was good to see that the Browns had. Um, they were able to use Chubb and Hunt a little better. The running game was good. We were able to target Amari Cooper. I feel like we weren't really able to do that much. I mean, he had he had an impact, but I feel like we, he wasn't targeted as much in the uh, Jets and Panthers games. Definitely. I think that the Browns look good as well. Obviously, the rushing game, a big part of our offense. I also think that Jacoby Brissett looked well, and that's something I wanted to touch on as well. Brissett had a strong showing against the Pittsburgh Steelers. Pat, what did you think from Brissett as an outsider's perspective? Um, I mean, he played very, very well. You know, went uh, 21 for 31 for 220 yards and two touchdowns. He played actually very, very well. Um, I'm not going to say that this was because uh, the Steelers' secondary is abysmal, but uh, that is probably some sort of a factor because our secondary is not very good. Uh, but no, he looked he looked very strong. He had a very strong outing. Uh, I was very impressed, to say the least. Uh, I didn't think coming into this game that Joey Brissett would really have this uh, type of a game. As a matter of fact, I was expecting him to obviously play a little bit worse. Um, but no, it was a very, very strong game. Uh, I mean, he managed to get out of some sticky situations when the pocket collapsed, and it looked like sure thing there was going to be a sack or at least the ball batted down and he managed to maneuver his way out of it and at least uh, get back to the line of scrimmage. So just, you know, fantastic game by Jacoby Brissett. What do you think, Devin? I I think he might be a little bit of a product of the system. He looks very similar to how Baker looked pre-injury, I think. He doesn't, he's a little worse, don't get me wrong, but he's he's playing very well and it makes me nervous because what, let's say when Watson comes back against the Texans, the Browns only have two or three losses let's say what do you do then because you spent all this money on watson and let's say he comes in there and he's he's two for six for 30 yards and three interceptions in the process what do you do it's it's hard to say and i just i don't know i'm i I like the success we're having but i'm getting nervous because i feel like from what we saw out of watson in the preseason he hasn't played it makes me nervous to if it's not broke don't fix it i feel like as a browns fan we've seen that movie many times and it's not (laughs) gone well so, yes, I would agree. I think it would be tough down the line to make that substitution, but I do think we will definitely make the substitution because of the amount of money we're paying Deshaun Watson to be our quarterback. However, sticking with this Thursday night game, biggest takeaway on the defensive side for the Cleveland Browns for me was Anthony Walker Jr.'s injury. Huge loss for the Browns as he is a, such a veteran presence on that defensive front. What do you guys think of the Anthony Walker injury? How is it going to affect the Browns moving forward? Because it does appear that he's going to be out the remainder of the year. It, it does hurt the Browns a lot, but I don't think it's going to hurt uh, the Browns as much as everybody thinks it will. Uh, obviously, this is a very, very uh, 
bad injury, and I, you know, obviously wish him a speedy recovery and a, and a good recovery. But I, I don't think it affects him as much um, as everybody's saying it's going to. Yes, that, you know, again, it does hurt. You do lose that veteran presence. But at the same time, uh, your defense is absolutely loaded. You know, the Browns' defense is arguably yeah. one of the best defenses in the league. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't worry about it too, too much. Yeah, I think it gives the young guys an opportunity. And you don't lose too much of veteran presence. I mean, you have Jadeveon Clowney. You have Miles Garrett. I guess in the linebacker core, you don't have as much of a veteran pre- presence. But I think, I think they're going to be okay. I think so as well. I think it's, of course, any starter is, that gets injured is a loss for your team. But I think that the Browns will be able to hold their own. They have a lot of strong components to their defense right now that will make up for the loss of Anthony Walker. But before we get into our pickums, let's play what went right, what went wrong for the Browns and the Steelers. Devin, I'll pitch the Browns to you. And Pat, I'll let you talk a little bit about the Steelers. So I'll start with you, Devin. What would you say is one thing that went right and one thing that went wrong for the Browns in the Thursday night game? I would say um, the offense looked really good for the Browns. And they have looked really good all all three games so far. The Browns have had a really good offense. And we didn't think that going in. We thought the Browns' defense was going to really be the carry. But it seems like the offense has played very well this, this season up to this point. And I don't... I'm not liking the special teams for what went wrong. I don't like that with an onside kick, you're really sweating as a Browns fan when you that shouldn't be the case, especially with new rules now. Like you have to I think after the ball is kicked they have to run up. Like they can't run up yet until after it's kicked. Like in the past they used to be able to do that. And when Donovan Peoples Jones I think went through his hand, I I was like, Oh, here we go, but then it went out of bounds. And I'm I'm not a huge fan of how the special teams has been handling the onside kick lately. Pat, what about the Steelers? One thing that went right, one thing that went wrong. Um, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know if anything went right <laughs> this game. <laughs> after the first half, I don't think anything went right. Um, I guess if I had to give it to something, it would definitely be um, definitely a better job of keeping an eye on the ball and making those receptions because uh, I was going to talk about it. George Pickens definitely just got catch of the year. Like, I can't even lie to you. That was probably one of the best catches I've ever watched. Say his name how you say his name. George Pickhims <laughs> on the reception. I wonder why Pickens. he wasn't. He didn't get much Pickens. action. That, that was insane. Here's the thing. He is such a good receiver, and we do not look to him at all. I do not know That's why. That's a Matt Canada that issue. It, Matt Canada is, he's a criminal for how bad his play calling is. His play calling is abysmal. And then obviously for what went wrong, uh, what went wrong is Matt Canada is still on our roster. Are you still <laughs> hired as a coach? Because I would rather watch Tom Arth make the play calls for the Steelers <laughs> at this point. I am so sick and tired of Matt Canada. It is awful. And, oh, the only reason it worked last year is because Big Ben, despite how bad he was, he's still Ben Roethlisberger, and he can still make some of the plays. But there is a big difference between Ben Roethlisberger and Mitch Trubisky. There's yeah. a difference between, oh, guess what? We have a quarterback that can't throw more than three yards. And, uh, oh, hey, we have a quarterback that can actually throw now. And we do the same thing I wonder every if, time. <laughs> I wonder if that's why they, they did the hook and lateral play on the final play of the game. Because maybe they didn't think that it, even if they did do a quick reception out of bounds, that it would have gotten to the other side with Tr- Trubisky's arm strength. That's I mean, I understand it. But at the same time, there were still five seconds left on the clock when they pitched the ball back. That's why I was saying just take your step up. Go out of bounds. Maybe um, you have a chance for one more. And then you out. then you have a chance at a Hail Mary. And then at that point, if you want to flick the ball back, go ahead. But not with five seconds left. Again, Matt Canada is, God, he is so bad. Yeah. <laughs> I don't like Matt Canada. Another thing I think that was very bad was our pass rush. Well, not even our pass rush, but just our, our presence uh, on the defensive line 
is abysmal without T.J. Watt. And it has showed the past two games. Because that first game against the Bengals, I think we racked up a total of almost five sacks. And since then, uh, we have won. And it was against and it was against the Browns when we sacked Jacoby Brissett. I want to say it was Alex Highsmith um, got to him. But I, it's just like, I understand that we're missing our best defensive player. We're like, as the Browns, you guys are missing Jadavion Clowney. You still have a presence with Miles Garrett, though. Yeah. But obviously... Right. Missing Jadavion Clowney, it allowed the Steelers to focus uh, more on double-teaming Miles Garrett, which I think showed that game there was less pressure given to Mitch Trubisky. But, I mean, the thing is, like, we gave the Browns no trouble at all. Right. Like, there were multiple, multiple times where it's like, there's no way that Jacoby Brissett didn't get sacked, and there's also no reason why he was in the pocket for that long. Because right. that is unexcusable that there were times he would have pocket time of up to five seconds which is inexcusable yeah coming from a defense that is supposed to be as elite as the Steelers has been historically that is just horrible I don't care I don't care who you are I don't care that we lost TJ Watt and that he's the defensive player of the year there's no reason why we're getting no pressure on the pocket because of one man out that is unacceptable for sure all right before we move into our NFL pickums it is time for around the Rue. this question will be up immediately following the show last week 60 percent of you picked the Kansas City Chiefs to win the AFC West. This week, my question for you is, will the Browns be over or under 10 wins following this Thursday night football win over the Steelers? Guys, quickly give me your answer before we go into our pickums. I'm going to go over because the way that the uh, the Browns managed to come in and handle the Steelers, which we don't lose the Browns. Steelers don't lose to the Browns very often in the regular season. Feels so. good as a Browns fan. I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to the Browns with over ten wins, and I will uh, change my pick for the Bengals winning the AFC North to the Browns winning the AFC North. Yeah, I would I'd agree that over or they'd be right at ten wins. That's where I'm feeling with the Browns. That's about what I'm looking at as well, Devin. Around ten, 10 wins for 10, the Browns, ten or eleven as well. No, not no more than that. So you're gonna go the over? Yeah, I'd say either right at ten or ju- or like. 11. I'm not thinking anything less than anything more than 11. All right, folks. It's time for our NFL pickums. Each week, each analyst, we will go down the schedule and pick every single game on the slate for Sunday and Monday Night Football, starting off with Houston at Chicago. Guys, what are you thinking about this one? Davis Mills is still the GOAT. Go Texans. Yeah, I think uh, Houston's going to be able to beat Chicago in, in this one. Davis Mills has played very well. Okay. Next up, we have Las Vegas at Tennessee. This could be an interesting game as the Ve- the Vegas Raiders have been playing pretty well as well. Derek Carr being playing well. Devontae Adams as a star receiver. The Titans have been in some trouble with Ryan Tannehill. And Derrick Henry. And Derrick Henry, who has First not of all, performed I have, I have whatsoever. I would to pick with Derrick Henry because I, I picked you in one of my fantasy leagues, and he has done nothing. <laughs> Luckily, it doesn't hurt me too bad because I'm, I'm 2-0 in that league, but... Still, um, I, I'm going to give it to the Raiders on this one. I mean, the Titans have looked horrid yeah. this year, absolutely terrible this year. I, I, yeah, the Raiders are going to—they're going to handle this game like it's nothing. Yeah, the Raiders are going to win this one. I think um, you can only go so long with a game manager like Ryan Tannehill, and when Derrick Henry's not producing as much, you're in a lot of trouble. I you can definitely t- tell that injury I, has affected him. I think the Titans are zero and three. Yeah, you can definitely tell with the way that Derrick Henry plays that this injury, it's definitely changed how he plays because Derrick Henry went from being, you know, a guy that almost guarantee every play that he runs the ball, he's going to get anywhere from seven to eight yards per carry to I've seen 
Najee have better games. Yeah. And that's surprising because Najee has not been playing well this year either. So it's you can definitely tell this injury has affected Derrick Henry and how he plays. So, yeah, I mean, Raiders are going to take this one, no problem. Yep. All right. Next up, we have the Kansas City Chiefs at the Indianapolis Colts. Kansas City obviously played very well against Justin Herbert and the Chargers. Coming in against the Indianapolis Colts, who have been slow but still a decent-looking team. What are your guys' thoughts on this one? i got to give it to the Chiefs. I thought the Chiefs would honestly not play well this year um, with their receiving core being significantly weaker than last year's. But they have... I think that they proved me wrong, at least. So I'm going to give it to the Chiefs this game. Yeah, I'm giving it to the Chiefs. I think this is going to be a really bad game for the Colts. Um, the Colts have struggled c- Coming this off year. a 24-0 loss to Jacksonville. Now, I know they historically don't really play well down there, but I, I think the Chiefs are going to roll over on them. I'm, I'm, I really think it's going to be a rough game for Carson Wentz and the Colts. Or not Carson Wentz, remember Matt Ryan, sorry. Hey, they've had so many quarterbacks, it's hard to remember as of recently. So many washed-up quarterbacks. Yeah, I'm also going to take the Kansas City Chiefs by a lot in this game. I think that the Colts just need more time to progress and more time to integrate Matt Ryan into their system. So I'm definitely going to stick with the Kansas City Chiefs on this one. Moving on, we have the Buffalo Bills at the Miami Dolphins. Miami had an impressive comeback against the Baltimore Ravens. But now they are matched up with my Super Bowl favorite, the Buffalo Bills. Boys, what do you think about this game? Bills Mafia, let's ride. I'm I'm going with Miami on this one. Whoa. Yeah. Okay, Devin, why? I think it's going to be a really close game. This is going to be the first <laughs> test for uh, Buffalo so far this season. Because so far they have rolled over. Uh, well, yeah, they've rolled over both the teams that they've played. And Miami's coming off an impressive win over um, Baltimore. And I think that's that momentum is going to carry them into this win against um, the Bills. Plus, Miami's at home, and I think that's going to help. Last week was a huge test for Tua, but I think this is, like, the final, like, really, really big test for Tua because you came back last week and you had probably one of the best games I've ever watched a quarterback have. But then you're playing... You're playing the Bills, who have one of the best defenses in the league, and their favorite, their favorite to win the Super Bowl. I'm still going to give it to Buffalo, but I, I, I do agree. I think it could be a close game. Yeah, well, I think the home factor might help for Miami. I think it's, I think we're going to see how good Buffalo is. I know they did beat the Rams in Week One, and they're two and zero. Both teams have been blowouts, but I think this is going to be the first test for Buffalo. I think that Buffalo will come away with the win, but I do agree it will be a test. I think Mike McDaniel is doing an excellent job for the Miami Dolphins so far, and I think Buffalo, Buffalo, like I said, is my Super Bowl favorite right now. I see them definitely coming away with the win, but I do think Miami makes it tougher for them than some may think. Tua has been playing lights out. Jalen Waddell, lights out. Tyreek Hill, lights out and fast. They're going to have to cover Tyreek Hill very tightly in order for them to secure a win there. Moving on to our next game, the hot Detroit Lions play at the Minnesota Vikings, who are not so hot as of recently. I can't believe I'm saying this, but I think Detroit is a decent team this year. What do you guys think about this game and the Detroit Lions going forward? I'm going to give it to the Lions here. Amon Ross St. Brown has been outstanding this season. I am so glad I made that pick in fantasy. And also, just let alone, he is on fire. He is quickly establishing himself as one of the best receivers in the NFL. I'm going to give it to Detroit here. I'm giving it to Minnesota. I think they're going to bounce back after their um, loss to the Eagles. I'm going to go with Detroit on this one. I think that Detroit, like I said, has been playing hot lights out so far. Dan Campbell is a fantastic coach, 
And I think that Detroit is finally due for a decent season. I do see them beating the Minnesota Vikings because I just I think the the Vikings are just down right now. I think that their morals, their morales are just down. They're just not that great of a team right now. Justin De- Jefferson is not being utilized correctly. He's always constantly double covered. You take him away, I don't see what the, only the other Vikings help they really have. have is Adam Thielen. He's right. been next to non-existent this season. Adam Thielen has done nothing so this it, season. The Vikings are definitely in a. Uh, they're heading down the wrong path, especially since I'm the one who picked them to win uh, their division. So I would appreciate it if they would, you know, step back up a little bit, <laughs> please. But no, they're 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 just down in the dumps right now. I mean. Like like you said, they're just not using Justin Jefferson right whatsoever. And Kirk Cousins, who everybody knows he's only an all-right quarterback, he has looked less than impressive this year, I think, to say the least. For sure. Next up, we have Jake Marina Goat's favorite team, the Baltimore Ravens, at the New England Patriots. Both of these teams have been not up to par to franchise standards as of recently. Baltimore with a lot of Lamar Jackson drama and also totally collapsed against the Miami Dolphins. What is your pick in this game, guys? As much as I hate to admit it, I'm going to give it to the Baltimore Ratbirds here, um, only because the Patriots have been less than impressive. Yes, uh, last weekend they did they, they did squeeze out a win against the Steelers, um, but then again, at the same time, I mean, simply put, with how I, I don't like to admit it because I'm very proud about the teams that I'm a fan <laughs> of, but the Steelers are very, very bad this year. And the fact that you only managed to win by uh, three against a less than subpar defense with T.J. Watt being out and Akella Witherspoon leaving the game early due to injury, um, I see no reason why the Patriots are going to win this game. So I'm going to give it to the Ravens. Yeah, I got Baltimore being two and one. I think um, Mac Jones has been a little, bit, well, maybe not a little, but he's just been a disappointment this year. Yes, but Nelson Aguilar has stepped up big this year. Yeah, I'll, I'll admit that, but it. I, I think the Ravens' defense is just too great for the Patriots to handle. Yeah, and I don't, I don't think we're going to see a collapse by the Ravens again. I, th- I think they bounce back. I think they're going to come, come out with vengeance after they collapsed last week. For sure, I'm going to take the New England Patriots purely because I do not like the Baltimore Ravens. I respect it. Next up, <laughs> Cincinnati Bengals at the New York Jets. Both struggling teams, but New York coming off a total garbage win over the Cleveland Browns, <laughs> but. I'm going to take the Bengals to finally get their first win in this one. What do you guys think? Go Jets, baby. Um, I think the Bengals are going to win this, and this is about as – I mean, we're only three weeks in, but this could be as close as you get to a must-win game. You lose this game, you're, you're already 0-3. While yeah. the other two teams in your division, if Baltimore wins, they'd be 2-1, um, and one, and then Browns are 2-1, and one, and St- uh, Pittsburgh is 1-2. and two. You, you have to win this game if you're Cincinnati. For sure. Next up, we have the Philadelphia Eagles at the Washington Commanders. What are your picks on this one? Go Birds! <laughs> I'm taking the Eagles. Yeah, Philly's going to win this one. 100%. I will also be taking the Eagles purely off of Jalen Hurts, his recent success. Next up, the New, York, New Orleans Saints at the Carolina Panthers. Two Heisman winners, two first overall picks, even though one of them definitely did not deserve to be the first overall pick. Jameis Winston versus Baker. Baker, interception maker. Thoughts, guys? The Saints are taking the dub back to the Big Easy. Um, Baker's going to get his first win in Carolina. Whoa. I, I like it, though. I, I, I respect uh, it. I will never take Baker Mayfield to win a game, <laughs> so I'm going to pick the Saints, famous Jameis, and all the guys over there that are Ohio State Buckeye alums. Next up, we got the Jacksonville Jaguars at the L.A. Chargers. 
Thoughts on this one, guys? The Chargers are going to walk all over the Jaguars. They might have... they Both teams might be one and one, but the Chargers are a much, much better team. Yeah, Chargers are going to walk all over Jacksonville. I think it's not going to be close. Thinking like maybe like a 20-point, three-score game for Chargers. Justin Herbert's health concerns me a little bit, but I don't think it makes that much of a difference that the Jaguars would have a chance to win this game. So I am going to take the Chargers as well. Next up, we have the other team in L.A., the L.A. Rams, taking on the Arizona Connors in Arizona. Arizona coming off an impressive comeback win over the Raiders. Who's your take in this game? I'm going to give it to the Cardinals because I'm going to be honest, the Rams... Uh, they have looked horrible this year, uh, despite winning the Super Bowl last year. So I'm going to give it to the Cardinals. The Rams have fallen off. Yeah, I think Arizona's 2-1. and one. Um, Kyler Murray has looked good, and I think the momentum from last week is going to carry over. I will also be taking the Arizona Cardinals. we got three more to get through here super quickly. Atlanta at Seattle, what are your thoughts? Poverty franchise is facing off, but I think the Falcons get their first win with Marcus Mariota. For sure, Devin? Yeah, I think uh, Falcons are 1-2, and two. Seattle's 1-2, and two, and Geno Smith is not the answer in Seattle. He is not. Next up, Green Bay at Tampa Bay. Gotta give it to Tampa Bay here. I'm a little biased as a Packers fan, but I think I think the Packers can get it done and just prove that week one was a fluke against the Vikings, and they'll be 2-1. and one. Uh, And last up for the Sunday games, we have San Francisco at Denver. I'm going to give it to San Francisco here. Russell Wilson has been less than impressive, and the 49ers lead him to the promised land. Yeah, I think uh, San Fran wins this. They're 2-1. For sure. And then the Monday night matchup, Dallas at New York. Who are you guys taking in this one? I'm going to take the New York Giants in this game, and the Giants are going to start off this season 3-0. and Yeah, um, Cooper Rush is less than impressive. I, he got the win against Cincinnati, but I think um, Giants win this one, and they'll be 2-1. For sure. I'm also, I'm also going to take the New York Giants in this one. Guys, that is all we have for today's show. Thank you so much for tuning in. Any final thoughts, guys? Go Zips. Go Steelers. Fill the hill. Coming up. We got games coming up all next week. We play tonight, actually. Yes, Not sir. here, though, but we do play Penn State men's soccer. Kicks off at 7. Watch that game. We'll be on ESPN Plus and ESPNU. And lastly, shout out to my cousin Scott, who just hooked me up with some absolutely fire jerseys. Two Pittsburgh Penguins jerseys, uh, one Troy Polamalu Pro Bowl jersey, and two Michael Jordan jerseys. So shout out, Scott. I really appreciate that. Those jerseys are sick, man. Awesome. Devin? Uh, go Browns, 2-1. and one. Guardians made numbers one. If they can beat the uh, Rangers today, they'll be going to the playoffs. Or can Detroit sweep the White Sox? And that'll also ensure October for the Guardians. For sure. Best of luck to the Guardians on that magic number being number one. Go Zips. Go Zips Women's Soccer this afternoon, actually right now at 1 o'clock at First Energy Stadium, playing the Kent State Electric Chickens. Be sure to cheer them on and Fill support the them. right now. Fill it's the Kent Hill State. quite the literally Hill. right now. Shout out my family. Shout out Ashley. Shout out Daniel. Shout out my friends. And go Zips as always. Thank you once again for joining us on Sports Power Talk. Once again, I'm with Devin and Patrick Weber. And I'm Logan Congrove. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you.